and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this episode of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We're coming to you live from our radio and television studios here in blustery, cold, wintry northwest Pennsylvania. We broadcast live, as you know, every weeknight on the 10 p.m. Eastern time from the Global Star Radio Network. I want to thank the Global Star Radio Network for all that they do. Todd is the hardest working guy I know with respect to uh, communications. Um, he's there like, uh, you know, 24 7. Somebody said they they feed him like pizza under the door once. I I don't know. All I know is he does a great job. And of course we we're also on Blog Talk Radio. That's BTR, and we're simulcast live on YouTube. Great news! Great news! Tomorrow we'll be up with full video. So tomorrow's show beginning tomorrow, full video, and it's because of the support of our listeners. That we are able to do that. Um, we actually, uh, fried, as you know, we fried a hard drive or a hard drive was fried. It wasn't not by attack, but just by overuse. We, we actually, um, were using it, uh, at, at really a hundred percent of its capacity, even more and pushed it to the limit. Uh, so what we did was we invested in the studio broadcasting, uh, unit that we needed. And, um, I got a paper route. <laughs> No, it's, it's, it, really, it's because of your kind assistance, everyone's kind assistance. So I want to thank you for that, um, as well. So video tomorrow in, in the, just in that whole, uh, series of housekeeping announcements, uh, a bit of news before we bring on our guests. Uh, uh, just want to let you know, uh, remember the clock boy, that young man back in, uh, his late, or it was, uh, September of 2015, he brought in to his class in Irving, Texas, 14-year-old boy, a, a clock in a briefcase that resembled a bomb, not for a school experiment, not for any ostensible legitimate purpose, but he brought this device in and showed it to his English teacher. His English teacher says, oh, uh-huh. you know, uh, didn't know exactly what to make of it. Um, it was such that the uh, school officials contacted the authorities, and they investigated, and, and they found probable cause to take him in to arrest this 14-year-old boy. They did the investigation. Anyway, long story short, and, and you well, you remember the kerfluffle with all of the media, and, and uh, of course, you had the mainstream media, the captured corporate media saying, oh, Islamophobia, racism, because he happened to be Islamic. Did I mention that? I just did. Um, and you know, if, if a if a white student would have brought this in, of course, there wouldn't be any any issues. Well, no, 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 no. Anyway, long story short, uh, what happened was, and I don't really care what anyone thinks about anybody in terms of this story. Glenn Beck had reported on this. In fact, he, I think he was one of the first. And back then, you have to remember. He, he, a little different than he is today, but nonetheless, he reported on this, and it could have been any 
any other media outlet. It could have been Alex Jones, for example, or it could have been uh, us, or it, it doesn't matter. But see, they, they reported on this, and the family sued not just the school district, not just the police, uh, but Glenn Beck in the blaze for defamation. Now, why do I bring this up right now? The reason I bring this up is because this made news again, except the mainstream media is not reporting on this. This made news again on Monday when the judge in Irving, Texas, uh, Glenn Beck was sued for $15 million, okay, uh, for defamation. Well, the judge ruled on Monday that there was no case, that there were, that it was a frivolous lawsuit and dismissed the suit with prejudice against the uh, Muhammad family. Ahmed Muhammad was the boy's name, or is the boy's name. So that suit was settled. But, but you don't hear that on the me- in the media. And the reason I bring this up now, just very quickly, is because uh, if you go to HagmanReport.com and click on the videos there, or go to our YouTube channel, I did a 20-minute report on this, 15-minute, 20-minute, whatever it is, uh, video report on this, to explain that the lawfare is in full force, it's being refined along with the lexicon in the English language, and it is being used to silence those speaking the truth about what's taking place. You need to understand the tactics of our enemy and the fact that uh, the, our enemies, the, the progressives, the Marxists, are going after the truth tellers, and uh, they're using the United States legal system as a weaponized tool to do so. And even when you win, you lose because you're tied up for months upon months. And, and you also have this issue with, with money. But but just check it out. Go, go to HagmanReport.com and, and click on our YouTube channel. It's up there. All right. So I just want to mention that. The other bit of housekeeping, or two more bits of housekeeping, in addition to the video, um, Joe will be on tomorrow night's broadcast. Um, and he's he's been in the office and such, but uh, he'll be back from his uh, uh, t- time off, extended time off. He's been dealing with some uh, personal family issues, and everything's fine, but he's going to be coming back, so you look for that as well. And the third uh, housekeeping uh, thing I want to mention, and this is great, have you gone to truelegendstheseries.com? If you haven't, do so. You remember everyone talking about the Cusco uh, expedition, the VIP expedition and conference in Cusco, Peru. Well, guess what? L.A. Marzulli is going to be joining uh, the main speakers. He's going to be joining the expedition. So it's going to be Steve Quayle, Tim Alberino, L.A. Marzulli, and others. If you go to truelegendstheseries.com, uh, there's information right there on the front page. This VIP expedition and conference, it's it's going to be held uh, from June 12th to the 18th, folks. This is going to be a tremendous conference. There's only, but here's the problem. And so this, I, I want to urge everyone listening to this. You've got L.A. Marzulli coming on with Steve Quayle, Tim Alberino in Cusco, Peru. Stuff that's never ever been uh, done before or revealed before. Going to be done in in Cusco, Peru, and. But here's the problem. There's only like four or maybe five at most positions, seats left. So you've got to register now. 
you know, so do so now. Uh, I think the cutoff's the end of the month, but don't hesitate. Do it now. And, and it's going to be just a marvelous, marvelous experience. So go to truelegendsoftheseries.com. That's truelegendsoftheseries.com and, uh, go ahead and register for that series, the, the uh, conference. Uh, because if you don't, you're going to miss out. If, if you're not one of the four, uh, or five that are, Seats that left here to miss out. It's, it's going to be fantastic with Steve Quayle, L.A. Marzulli, and Tim Albrino, um, and others. So there it is. With that, I'm just so proud to have on, and I know Steve has, uh, Steve Quayle is coming on here, and I know that he's had a very rough day. There was an issue with the schedule. In fact, he thought he had an hour to prepare. Like, in other words, he thought he was coming on in the second hour, and that, that was our fault, and we apologize. Uh, so Steve's been running all day. He has not had a break, but uh, we're not going to let him go. We're going we're to bring him right on. Steve, thank you so much. Steve Quayle from stevequayle.com. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you, Doug. And excuse me, I apologize, everyone, for my voice. I have been hoarse for the last week off and on. I'll make it through tonight by the grace of God. Thank those of you who have been praying and interceding for me. Uh, sometimes I just got to step back, and obviously I've never learned to do that. But I can tell you this. There comes a time when uh, life will overrule your schedule, and it's kind of God's mercy saying, take a break. Well, tonight we've got Eric Tallman on from the Satellite Phone store. Uh, one of the number one concerns I get in my email every day, and Doug told me about a woman who called him, with all the talk of EMP, the internet going down, how do people stay in touch? Are there such things as satellite internet connections, high speed, and all the different things that are really concerning? And Doug, that's safe to say that the emails and the uh, conversation you're uh, getting into with different listeners are very concerned about that, are they not? You know what, Steve? They're concerned and they're confused. They're looking for alternatives and answers. And I, I have to, I have to say this. We know, uh, we, we need people on here that just don't talk about the problems, but the solutions and what to do. So that's why we're so great, uh, grateful that you're on. So yes, absolutely. Well, thank you. And I'm going to bring on Eric Tallman. I'm going to go pretty much uh, quiet until he needs a break because here's a guy that's 11 years as a network engineer. He got Got into the satellite business. I've known Eric, I think, for pretty close to a decade. I've known Tina, the owner of the satellite store, for probably closer to 15 years. So, Eric, why don't you tell people a little bit about your background, and then we're going to talk about what's available, because as you're listening into this, you know that people are getting very worried, especially with the Internet outages that we've experienced already this year, also the taking down of major websites such as Drudge, Alex Jones, and others. So, Eric, give us a little introduction, then I'll just go through and ask you questions that are on everybody's heart. Oh, awesome. Steve, thanks for the brief introduction. So, um, I'm just your uh, your average geek, I guess, who loves communications and communication, just like connecting anywhere that I want to go and, and being able to, to do that, whether I'm within cellular networks or at home or at the office. So, I've kind of dedicated my life to um, being able to seek out the latest and the greatest networks and um, help our customers use them. Um, we consider a lot of our customers friends, so we, we're pretty passionate about what we do. It's a great company to work for. Uh, I started in this business 11 years ago. My, my background is in setting up servers and, and home networks and office networks, so I kind of naturally fell in love with helping people communicate off the grid 
or in times where you know you may you, not you didn't have set up Hillary's server though, right? Just to be clear, <laughs> <laughs> all right. No comment on uh, that one. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> well, well, no, you're the, you, you seriously, you're the guy to go to because we had uh, Eric the Tech here, and I didn't, I don't mean to interrupt anybody here, but uh, this is important stuff because Eric the Tech and I were talking about if and when, and we've had communication outages. We need uh, something that's reliable, and we, frankly, we don't know. Our, our knowledge is limited, which is why, and again, this is why, folks, uh, Eric Tallman is on and Steve Quayle is on because um, we, we need to be able to communicate. That's going to be so important. Um, so go for it, sir. Sorry. Uh, let, let me ask you a question. <clears throat> Do you think people out there are more concerned with the government shutdown of the Internet? Because we've seen that. Or they're more concerned with cyber attacks on our Internet that shut down our our networks that we so dearly love? <laughs> or do you think that an electromagnetic pulse is on, on people's mind? Like, t- tell me, what do you think? Okay, I can, um, I can tell you exactly. Are, are concerned can, the most about, because I want to know. Well, I can tell you exactly. Um, my daughter, Jackie, is in charge of studio communications, all right? Uh, she, she came on mm-hmm. um, uh, October of last year. All right, so since the... Since October of last year, she has been sorting through all of the communications, emails, and, and uh, mail to the uh, studio. Uh, we have received about communications in preparation for this show. We've received uh, almost 800 emails. Now, of those 800, now that's it's seven something, 790 or 787 or something, whatever it is. Of those, we'll say 800. Uh, most people are concerned with the internet shutdown and communications, uh, or I'm sorry, internet and cell phone shutdown. Um, whether it be by, uh, or unavailability. Uh, yes, yes. They're most concerned with, uh, they're most concerned with EMP followed by government, uh, shutdown. And the third is just basic outage. So, uh, it's un- unclassified. So there you have it. But the majority EMP and or, uh, government shutdown. Got it. Okay. Um, satellite networks or radio networks, uh, just like cell phone and handheld radios, they're going to be affected by a lot of the same physics. It's not magic. Um, but what I can tell you is in places that there has been government shutdowns uh, or there has been cyber attacks, um, uh, we've seen satellite communications become in high demand. Or if there's been a natural disaster, uh, for example, um, Hurricane Katrina, um, or uh, Hurricane Sandy that hit New York, um, or even just when a lot of people are in an area overloaded network. Um, we've seen in those cases, stations, especially a satellite, um, we, we get calls for this all day long, 24-7. We have three offices, Alaska, California, and Florida. We have people working 24-7. If you call us, you're going to talk to somebody. And you can ask them, hey, what kind of people are you working with? What kind of industries are you guys talking to? And sometimes we find out about issues before the news does. Um, for example, uh, there was a fiber line to the Marshall Islands that recently got severed by a hurricane. The next thing you know, we're getting calls from the Marshall Islands. They need communications. And it just turns out our missile defense system is located out there. Um, so it really is, um, is a sensitive subject for a lot of people, whether you're just the average person at home that wants to make sure you can maybe check on the news, communicate with your family who may be in a different part of the world, different part of the country, um, or if you're a business or a vessel. I prefer uh, a combination. 
So for me, uh, I carry a satellite phone, but I also have a little satellite internet terminal because, uh, and I have them on two different networks and I have a handheld radio. So that way I have multiple forms of communication and whether you're an individual or you're an organization or a business, that's really, in my opinion, the best solution to kind of diversify and have multiple sources. If all you got is a cell phone and an internet connection, you don't have satellite, you don't have a handheld radio, or you don't have a satellite TV or a satellite dish, there, there's just some really inexpensive ways you could um, add to your kind of toolbox of uh, communications. I'd love to talk more about them. Yeah, and I think it's important. Uh, why don't you explain right now, Eric, you know, the different satellite networks that are available to people worldwide right now and what's coming online in the immediate future? Because I hope everyone understood this. It is possible to get satellite uh, data transmission, and we'll get to the rates and upload and download speed, or if you want to cover it right after this. But, I mean, the, the important thing is, is that the Iridium network, which is one that you guys uh, – you know, obviously offers good any place in the world. And is it safe to say, Eric, that uh, when any event happens, you get flooded, and I, I no pun intended, but you get flooded with requests that you guys are the only company I know that will basically get your equipment to any place in the world. Ladies and gentlemen, I've known Tina for a long time, one of the owners, owners of uh, the satellite shop, and, and I think that it's critical for people to understand that that's how customer service oriented they are. So let me go in some, uh, go kind of down the line with some questions. How many different satellite networks are available to people worldwide? Worldwide, um, in terms of mobile satellite services, like you can put it in your backpack or you can take it with you, um, there's really only two main satellite networks, and that's Iridium. They're based out of Tempe, Arizona. They have 66 global satellites. They operate in low Earth orbit, which means they're only about 500 miles. It's the largest constellation of satellites currently out there in space, and um, that's a worldwide network. It's right now, the capabilities there are phone service, text service, and small, like, dial-up email and weather and news, which is sufficient for probably 70% of the people out there looking for a solution. Um, so Iridium is by far, yeah, the most popular. Um, the other popular network out there is Inmarsat. They're based out of London, uh, the United Kingdom. They operate a series of satellites that are located along the equator. Those are called geostationary satellites. They're about 30,000 miles away from Earth, and they provide voice, text, but they also provide data services. Uh, in the range of about 200 to 400 kilobits a second. So I guess in, in cell phone speak, that would be like 2G, 3G speed. Um, you can accomplish over a small terminal about the size of an iPad. And that's pretty much global. So those are your two main networks, and both of those players have done really well. And they're launching new networks. So um, if you'd like, I'll tell you, Iridium is, is currently scheduled for the 15th of January, just four days from now, to launch 11 new, 10 or ten or 11, I think it's 10, uh, new Iridium satellites. And these satellites are being launched by our buddy Elon Musk from SpaceX on a Falcon 9 rocket from Vandenberg Air Force Base in California. Um, these satellites, there's going to be, I think, around 70 of them uh, total. They're going to run about six or seven launches. Uh, throughout 2017. So the existing network that's already global, it's the only one that's already global from pole to pole. They're putting 
a whole new one up there, and that's going to bring, you know, data speeds around one megabit per second to individuals like me and you that want to go anywhere. So that's really exciting. Um, Iridium's launched that network uh, here, in the, you know, they will be launching it here in the next over the next 12 months. So that's very exciting. And MRSAT has also put up a series of um, three new satellites. They're launching a fourth, and that network provides speeds of around you know, 5 to 10 megabits per second download and about 1 to 4 megabits per second upload. So in in, in common uh, cell phone speak, that would be like your 4G uh, cell phone speeds, you know, something that you can Netflix over, something that you can video conference over, something that you can do uh, work or personal use over. So that's that's a global network. So for uh, your listeners who are um, out there that may be out of coverage, um, for normal satellite or terrestrial networks, there is something new. And uh, you can go right to our website and look it up, or you can call in and any of our associates will give you all the details. Let me ask you this, Eric, because this is a question I get all the time. Now, obviously, people want information. This is the number one thing, Doug, you know this. People send me every day uh, questions. What will we do when you go down? What will we do when the Hagmans go down? What will we do when they take Drudge down? The only answer I've been able to come up with is why you're listening to Eric tonight. Now, Eric, a quick question. When you're using, you know, the satellite uplink for the Internet, okay, whether it's uh, what's up there now or what's coming online, what does it run cost-wise? Are you buying it by the megabit? Are you buying it by the minute? How how are those um, fees assessed? Great question. Now everyone's got the perception um, that satellite's expensive, right? And um, now if you need a device that's a backup emergency device, you can do so on a, on a pretty small budget, I, I think. Um for about a thousand bucks, you can get a little satellite internet terminal, and I think it, I think the emergency plan runs fifty bucks a month, and that's just enough data uh, for you to, um, if there were, uh, if you just wanted to test it, or if you just wanted to check the news, or take it out on a on a camping trip, or uh, kind of simulate uh, an event, you'd have enough uh, data to do that. That that plan's going to run like fifty bucks a month, and that's whether you need a satellite phone or a little satellite internet terminal. Um, but when people actually really want to have like a, a satellite data connection, uh, in the United States and in um, Europe and in Australia, we have satellite networks that, you know, for 100 bucks a month, you can have high-speed Internet data capable of streaming television. And um, these are really exciting KA-band networks. You know, the one that we have in the Americas is called Viasat. Uh, we're a Viasat provider. And that gives us speeds of 12 megs down, 3 megs up for 100 bucks a month for unlimited data. So there's some exciting plans. You really got to talk to us because when we start talking high speed, then we look at more regional carriers that can provide greater capabilities when it's a fixed site. So if it's a, a home or a business or a remote site, we're going to get a little bit more laser focused. But that's the average cost that people can expect to, to find out there these days. 
That's really, really reasonable. Okay, so what's the price right now? The price, you know, you guys have always made my listeners a deal. So what's the average price for a satellite phone? I'm talking only Iridium. And ladies and gentlemen, you know, when I first got my sat phone, and a lot of you bought them, what, five, six years ago, the point is is that I don't want anything that's limited because I don't know where I'm going to end up or, you know, where you're going to end up, meaning you may find yourself in a foreign country Country. By the way, Henry Groover, and thank you, Tina, if you're listening in, uh, she just provided Henry with a satellite phone because one of the problems with Henry, he's literally all over the world, and his wife can't get a hold of him. And with all the different events going on with 13 kids, there are times she needs to get a hold of him. And as he goes from country to country or into the boonies or into the island of Abu Island with all the snakes, Henry can call his wife anytime he wants, or more importantly, in Henry's eye, you said, Steve, thank you, because my wife can get a hold of me. So I think the thing that people have got to understand is this, that... There will be news services. One of the things, Eric, that my listeners are really concerned with, because a lot of them have precious metals, when the metals explode, they want to know what the world price is, okay? And they can only do that either through a SAT network or a shortwave. But depending on a hemp, high-altitude electromagnetic pulse or something, there might be a problem, you know, with shortwave. So the thing is, is that the other question that most people ask, and this is really important, uh, is it your opinion that because of the necessity, and, and answer this if you would, because of the necessity for people to communicate, whether they're ships at sea or emergency workers all over the world, that the satellite networks will stay up longer than the land-based stuff? Yeah, I think that's, that's a safe um, you know, theory that you can make there, yeah, for sure. Okay, and then how about bad weather, rain, clouds, block satellite signals? Because I think people have got to understand, you can't sit in your house. You have to be outside where, or have an external antenna so that you can locate the satellites. And how many satellites does it take to get a fix? Uh, for a radio, be able to call out? at any given time. Yeah. Okay. Gonna, you should see two to three at any given time, but um, you only need one satellite to, to make a call and on MRSAT, their satellites are stationary, so as long as you have line of sight to that satellite uh, on the horizon, it's not going anywhere. Uh, so okay. in terms of, of coverage, you should be fine. Th- that, that's magnificent. Gentlemen, just hold on a second here. We're approaching the bottom of the hour. Uh, obviously, folks, Steve Quayle from stevequayle.com and Eric Tallman. Uh, in fact, if you look on our if you go to YouTube, you can see um, his website, of course, and his contact information. Uh, however, uh, whenever communications is, well, that's uh, uh, that's Eric Tellman, uh or Satellite Phone Store. I'm sorry, SatelliteFhoneStore.com. I've got five papers in front of me here, uh, as many as many papers as Eric has communications devices. I'm gonna be right back with Steve Quayle and Eric. Tallman. So many people have written about us or written in uh, about this subject. We had to address this. Solutions, folks. So- solutions. Come right back.
Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. I got another email here from a gentleman living in Iowa who said, I really appreciate all of this information. I had no idea how satellite phones work. Have no idea, I'm sorry, how satellite phones work. However, I am I am afraid of losing communication with my family, my wife, uh, as I travel a lot. Thank you so much for providing this information. And that's Kevin from Davenport. Thank you, Kevin. Just to let you know, this is on people's minds. Uh, and, and it's, I, you know, look, if I, if I was six, seven, eight hours away from my family, man, you know, something happens. You always want to be able to communicate. This is not 1950. This is 2016 and solutions are out there and we bring you solutions. Steve Quayle, of course, and Eric Tallman. Before we get back to them, I, hey, some people just want to get away. I understand that. Leave the cold weather behind and relax in the Caribbean. Well, I found an amazing getaway at an even more amazing price. It's the Pineapple Beach Club in Antigua. Right now, for just $149 per person per night, plus a $250 resort credit, you can enjoy an adults-only, that's 16 and up, all-inclusive getaway on a white sandy beach. Go to pineapplebeachclub.com to make your reservation today. Just a little bit more about the resort and the island. Um, we're talking about all-inclusive, a package that's all-inclusive, meals, snacks, beverages, even with a glass of wine at, at dinner, uh, I'm saying alcohol, water sports, daily entertainment, all taxes, all gratuities are included, so there are no hidden fees. Uh, by the way, this resort, two freshwater pools, a spa, five restaurants, and, and three different lounges for entertainment. Y- y- Eric, no, you can't no, no, he can't go right now. Um, but anyway, the, the credit can be used for sailing trips, romantic dining. You know, think about an anniversary gift for your wife. Uh, my goodness, when's the last time you have taken your wife uh, on something like this? Even a safari tour, spa services. So when you're ready to leave, and you should be by now, the frosty weather. Oh, it's cold up here. And get some well-deserved R&R. Don't wait. Folks, this offer expires soon. Go to pineapplebeachclub.com or... Alternatively, you can call 800-772-8711 to book your all-inclusive stay. For $149 per night, persons uh, per person, ages 16 and up, you can enjoy everything I just mentioned and more, and you'll get a $250 resort credit. That's pineapplebeachclub.com. Folks, see that website for specific and complete details, pineapplebeachclub.com. I'm going to turn it back over to Steve Quayle. Steve, go ahead, sir. Questions to ask, Eric, because, again, these are the questions that I've been fielding for the last probably, I don't know, at least a month, just especially since Stretch went down and all the hacking and attacking and yep. everything going on. So, hey, Eric, here's my question. Uh, can people connect their smartphones and iPhones or Androids to the satellite to a satellite phone and use those in conjunction with? Yes, that's exciting. And now we can actually do it for Internet data, too. 200, 300 kilobit per second data session. Uh, you also have an, uh, so it's called the iSat Hub. Uh, and MRSat iSat Hub, it's a little device about the size of an iPad. And just point at the satellite. It's very easy. makes a little uh, tone so you know where you're pointing it. And after about a minute, you're able to make phone calls, do text messages, and even browse the web, get on the internet with an iPad or a laptop or even your smartphone, your iPhone. 
Um, so How that's, much are those? That's been a really that that one's a thousand bucks, and we have a hundred dollar gift card on it right now. And the minimum plan is, I mean, look, forty nine bucks. It just gives you enough data, wow. twenty megs of data, just to get started. But that's something you can take anywhere in the world. You can go anywhere uh, now. And if you're deep in mountains or deep in forest, those are some tricky areas. But I mean. Uh, it's a small percentage of our of our customers. It's the best thing that we have right now. Second best to that would be, in my opinion, the Iridium Go. So it's running on the Iridium network. It's about the size of a pack of playing cards. You flip up the antenna anywhere in the world, and I got guys using this in their jets, on their boats, and remote hunting lodges, just anywhere. Um, and you just flip up the antenna. It creates a little Wi-Fi network, and you just use that. You connect your iPhone or your Android and you're able to use the app to make phone calls, to text messages. You can get news. You can do a little bit of email, but there's no Internet browser. But it's a lot smaller, and that one I have for right now $7.99. Minimum plan's $49. Bucks. Um, so the Iridium Go and the iSat Hub, I think, are probably my favorite. They're used just with anybody in a, in a, in a need just to want to stay connected, but they're also used by emergency responders. They're also used by... Um, our local governments, our federal governments. I mean, these are the same devices that are being used across many different sectors. So those are my two favorite at this moment. Well, ladies and gentlemen, because, and Doug, let me just give out, uh, because typically when we do this show like this, uh, massive amounts of people try and call numbers. So here's a number you can start calling, 619-618-8363, 619-618-8363. Because I can tell you, you know, I, I Eric, I thought I was aware of this stuff. I wasn't, and I have a personal story to tell. Uh, Tina, when I first met her, made sure I had had a satellite phone. You've heard me say this, Doug, I think years ago, but because my wife and uh, her sister and her friend and my wife's friend didn't listen to moi, you know, no, normally I need to listen to my wife, but this time she didn't listen to me. They went on a trip down into Canyonlands at the high water time in canoes. None of them were experienced canoers. Make a long story short, her sister tipped the canoe with her friend. Uh, my wife and um, her paddling partner were too far down. They couldn't obviously go against high water. And even the National Park Service said it was a miracle. But the way that they were able to get a hold of me just for one minute was through the satellite phone that Tina had given to me because, again, I told her, look, because of different things, you know, I don't know where I'm going to be, and I want to make sure. So as a result, uh, they sent a rescue team. She got a message to me. Less than a minute, I contacted the Moab Air uh, Service. I forget the name of it. They had a plane in the air. They got into the canyon. The canyon's got pretty steep walls if people have ever uh, gone down, what is it, the Green River or whatever. And so because of that, they were able to get rescued in the same day. Had they not had the satellite phone, the ranger said it would have been three to four days. Well, my wife's sister, her name was Ruth, and her pal were just totally unprepared. Now, let me give you a good voice, a good bit of advice on rafting. Don't go during the high water. And fortunately, <laughs> it turned out with a neat story. But my and and again, this is a true story, Eric. I don't know if uh, Tina ever told you this, but because oh. you know Tina insisted. I mean, I'm serious. My wife said she looked into her sister's eyes and saw death because she could. She wasn't a strong swimmer, and fortunately, and I believe it was 
was a miracle. But the thing that got him out of there was a satellite phone. And even the park rangers said, boy, even people with satellite phones don't get out of here. This is unheard of. So the right place at the right time for a satellite phone. So I absolutely know the benefit. And I've told this story on the radio before, but I can tell you point blank, you know, uh, usually I eat humble pie. This is one time my wife and her pals got a taste of it. So, saying that, this is an incredibly important thing. I'm going to give out the phone number again, 619-618-8363. And, Eric, I think people have got to understand, though, too, uh, explain what happens when bad weather, you know, clouds, satellite signals, obviously trees. You can't be in a, a canopy in the jungle or in the forest. You've got to step out in an opening and be able to get a satellite signal. But I think it's important that people do understand that they have to be able to have a view of the sky yeah you can't be inside if you're gonna well we do inside installations just have a little docking station and cables we run out um we do it on boats we do it on homes we do it on buildings all the time but yeah if you're just gonna have the little devices that i spoke about or one of our satellite phones you do yeah you need to be outside and if you're using iridium um you know those satellites are moving overhead they could be anywhere above you see so that the, the more uh, like an out in the open area you can get the better signal you're going to have um, for the MRSAT ISAT hub and for our data services, that's going to be um, – those satellites are located along the equator. So if you're in the northern or southern hemisphere, it's going to be your line of sight uh, to those satellites. And, um, you know, we, we have that conversation with people. So if you call in, you tell us, like, where you're at, what kind of places you're thinking about going, what's most important to you? Do you just want to stay connected? Is it for emergency? Uh, is it for business? You tell us what you want to do, and we know all there, – there's, there's literally – dozens of satellite phones um, and we really care about the people that we help <laughs> so that's going to be my best recommendation call in talk to us you'll probably wind up even getting me on the phone and um, we love hearing about like what their needs are and what they're concerned about uh, I think we discussed some of them tonight but yeah you need to be out in the open <laughs> for sure to use satellite otherwise we need to put up external antennas and, and if, if I can say this, Steve, and, and just to our Absolutely. audience. Absolutely. Ask away, you know, Doug, because you're, uh, you're in real time getting questions, too. Yeah, and, and that, that's something that, uh, uh, well, I've got a couple of questions, but I do want to say this. In terms of companies and customer service and different places, different people, uh, there's only one that, in my view, out there that has the information you heard the level of information provided by Eric you 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 understand i mean if i understood one tenth of what he understood well, i'd be doing good but i don't i rely on people that can help me okay and eric does help he's the best in terms of customer service answering questions one question that we have here um from a listener actually um, well, I'll combine a couple of different emails but and ask you this question. It's going to be a compound question here. Number one. If, All right. Okay, so if if I'll just use myself as an example. If if let's say I have a, a satellite phone, uh, is it necessary uh, for uh, like my wife, for example, if if that's my intended communication hub or somebody I'm going to talk to. Is it necessary for her to have one as well? Uh, or mm. can you communicate with any uh, cell landline or in, any phone number or any email or whatever it might be? That's the one question. And, uh, well, we'll go with that one, I guess, right now. Yeah, sure. 
it's a, it's a great question because who are you trying to call, right? Yeah. <laughs> Ghostbusters. Uh, so, yeah, you know, if it's my wife or my dad, my grandparents, I'm putting a sat phone uh, with them as well because, yeah, you're going to try calling the cell phone, but what do you do when the cell phone doesn't work? You want a backup. I want a backup to my backup. I want redundancy. I want multiple options. Uh, I don't want to be stuck with just uh, one weather forecast. I don't want to be stuck with just one communications device. So, absolutely, put one in your wife's glove box or in her purse. Um, and for all, by all intensive means, on a daily basis, you're communicating over cell phones, so maybe even WhatsApp or Skype or whatever you're using. But in the event you have a natural disaster or some type of political or geopolitical event that's going to happen or electromagnetic pulse, this is going to be a place where your satellite phone is going to pay big dividends. Okay. All right. And that's a, and that, you're exactly right. Now, another question, um, and, and this is about, um, well, can the government? I, 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 sorry about this question because it's going to sound it's going to sound bad. But, but can the government monitor uh, satellite phone communications? as easily as they can cell phone communications. I don't know why this person is asking that question, but, you know, it's a, it's a legitimate question, I suppose. Yeah, 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 no, it, it is. Um, I'm just glad it was posed the way it was. <laughs> um, yeah, that's why I stumbled there. <laughs> <laughs> so I think um, it is definitely a lot more difficult to intercept satellite phone calls than it would be phone calls. We have customers that are in many different industries and security and what we call cyber assurance is um, a big topic. Um, even if you're not a business, even if you just want to know if your communication between you and your family are secure. Mm-hmm. Um, so for, without going too far down that rabbit hole, uh, in order to intercept um, uh, an Iridium satellite or MRSAT or one of our satellite signals you have to have what's called a man-in-the-middle attack, which would be somebody directly intercepting the RF signals, demodulating them, encoding them, and decoding them in real time. Gotcha. Um, that's very difficult to do. Yeah, it, it, it takes a lot of resources to do that. Um, All right. And I don't think that our listeners that are going to be maybe utilizing one of our satellite products are going to have to be concerned with that. And, and, and one of the things I'll mention here is just that um, the satellite products we're all talking about operate in the frequency called L-band. And the L-band frequency runs about 1,400 to 1,600 megahertz. And what that means for the average person is just that if there's a lot of clouds, it's not a problem for the frequency. It can get through it. Um, and it, it, pointing it or, or walking around with a satellite phone, if you get on a satellite phone call and you start walking around your yard or wherever, it's not going to drop. It's not like it's a, a, a fixed thing. So they allow a mm-hmm. lot of <clears throat> tolerance in the LBM okay. frequency. Uh, I just thought I'd mention that because um, if you're concerned with are you going to be able to use it or if the government's going to be able to intercept it, no, I don't think the government's going to be able to intercept your satellite phone call very easily. Data traffic, data traffic takes all different types of routes and comes out in an entirely different uh, networks and routers depending on where you're located, uh, where your GPS is. So. That would be a question I would encourage people to call me about and talk about. Often. All right. This question, this next question, real quick, uh, Stephen, then I'll let you. Uh, this is from Dane, listening live in the UK, uh, wanting to know if one or more uh, of the satellites go down, 
All right. Um, are, are there is there a redundancy built in the system? In other words, you had mentioned the, the number of satellites within the network. Um, are, are you if 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 one goes down? I mean, I guess what he's asking is, is there redundancy built in the network? Uh, Absolutely. That's a okay. question that I'd ask. <laughs> I love All right. It. Uh, All right. Yeah. So I'm always thinking. So I'm I'm relying on this thing. I'm relying. And what happens when it goes down? What's its backup? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just the way my, my brain works. So, yes, um, there is redundancy built into every single one of these networks that we operate. In. And, and the reason for it is because mainly the U.S. government is the biggest customer to these satellite networks. And they require, as part of their mission assurance program, that there is redundancy set up. So we as general consumers benefit from that same requirement that our government does. Um, so in the event of Iridium... There's 66 satellites, and they have spares. And I just told you they're launching a bunch more. Um, so they, they they lose five of them from an EMP. They're going to reposition them in, a, in you know a short amount of time to cover those gaps. Um, or if a ground station gets taken out because uh, one of the countries that the ground station is in is uh, jeopardized, uh, they have the ability to fail over. And um, you know, one of the things I'll, I'll be happy to share with anybody that's interested is some diagrams about how these satellite networks operate. Um, it's public information. It's just kind of hard to find, but we can do that. Gotcha. All right. And, and one, one last thing before I turn it back over to Steve. This is uh, actually from Steve from Tampa. Who, who, it's not a question, it's a statement. He said, judging, uh, from the, uh, prices you just mentioned, I paid more for my first cell phone, uh, than for the current plan, meaning the satellite plan. So, that's pretty interesting. I, I guess, you know, when you think about the comparisons. Right, and I think that's the, the critical, if you will, factor. You know, I think most of you, and me, I'll admit it, uh, I spend off and on minimum 18 hours a day, not straight, I don't mean to, uh, checking, posting stories and stuff. And I really believe that one of the problems we're going to have is basically, and I mean the data withdrawal sim- syndrome, okay, DWS. And I think it's critical Absolutely. because when... When you've got information, knowledge is power in a convulsing world, in a, a, a tumultuous where a world where upheaval, where information is scarce. Ladies and gentlemen, the first thing that whoever the perpetrators of whatever uh, against the freedom of press or the freedom of your right to know, they don't want you to know. So the number one question that I get, uh, obviously we've already dealt with that, number two question is, is that well, how will you guys stay in contact? Years ago, I started working on a thing, Global News Network. And basically, it was dependent on getting financing, and I could never raise the money, and I'm not pitching anybody unless you want to put up the money. Very expensive, but a continual uh, updated one-hour broadcast that people can turn into, you know, tune into and turn on to, and basically be getting all the, what I would call breaking information with obviously immediate updates. Now, Eric, I have another question. Uh, are there any third-party providers that you guys use that can provide Scramblers for both ends of the sat phone. You know what? We we just can't talk about that. You know because oh okay. So anybody that might want to talk about that call, call, yeah, I get you, and I'll I'll go on because I used to have a company, and I got to think of the name of it years ago. Uh, I think it was called Stratotech, and 
I'm not a geek. Obviously, I'm not uh, you know a guy that understands all this. But I was conceptualizing, and just for the record, you know, uh, uh, in those days, because there was so much uh, corporate crime, we used the you know uh, basic on both end encryptions. You know, I know what it was called. It was called countermeasures. Stratatech yeah. was a developer company. But that's neither here nor there. So the thing is, is that I think you've answered my question by not answering my question. Again, ladies and gentlemen, because there are so many people interested in this around the world, it's called 619, this is in the U.S., 618-8363, 619-618-8363. And I think people might like this little tidbit of information. Uh, those of you who like uh, auto racing, desert racing, I'm a fan of it. Uh, you know, the, the thing that's important to understand is when people need 500 coordinated phones, they go to the satellite phone store. You want to kind of explain what you guys do with, uh, you know, the 500 satellite phones and explain push-to-talk satellite radios? Sure. I don't want to brag, but we do some really cool stuff. Um, and I just happen to be able to spearhead a lot of those projects. And... Um, what that means for uh, people operating in really tough environments like what you just mentioned, one of the biggest off-road races in the world is the Baja 1000 in, in Baja, California, Mexico. It's like our Super Bowl. We have high-speed satellite internet dishes. we got helicopters using push-to-talk to ground ambulances to race command. Um, we're using it to rescue people. Like I've been in that command trailer and been able to witness um, rescues in real time live streaming video we're also tracking over 400 vehicles all over this race course <clears throat> there's some really interesting stuff that we do and i guess i'm really curious to hear from people that listen to the show and see what they're interested in because i know everybody's different um we you know from from off-road racing to right now i've spent the last week uh learning a new technology to set up ships so that way if a ship uh, or a vessel is operating close to shore, we use cellular. If they're at the marina, we use Wi-Fi. If they're offshore, we use satellite internet. If the, if the high-speed satellite internet is down because of weather, we back up to the low-speed internet. It's kind of my passion to keep people connected. And um, I don't know if that answers your question or not, but I think that's what I'd like your listeners to know. Well, and Doug, are you getting any other questions into you? Uh, well, it, pretty much you're covering them all in real time. Um, the, the biggest question, and we're still getting some more in, so just to reiterate, ideally, um, you know, if, if you, if, if, let's say a husband and wife, ideally two satellite phones, uh, would be, would be the ideal way because if, if the other communications go down, you're, you're going to need a recipient on the other end. And with that, um, the, there, there's an ancillary question with that. Would that constitute two plans because there's two phones? Yeah, but they're shared, and okay. each month they roll over the minute. So uh, you build up a little right. bit of equity there. So in the event something does happen or you want to take them on a, on a field trip, you got some equity built up in your plans in a minute. Gotcha. All right. Now, hey, Eric, what's the price of the 9575? Uh, I'm obviously getting a text in from Tina. I asked her, what's the good deal for my customers listening tonight? And again, Doug, you know, it's just like this. If there's any savings, any deals, you know, we want to pass them on. So what's the price of 9575? 
Yeah, I'm just reading her email right now. I, I'm a technical guy, uh, but okay. the, what I'm what I'm reading that we have right now are the best, greatest satellite phones for ninety five seventy five, like you just mentioned. It's a thirteen hundred dollar phone. We have a three hundred dollar, I guess, gift card that comes back to the right. That's that, and that's only uh, for our listeners tonight. So basically, you're getting the phone yeah. for a thousand bucks, and the ninety five seventy five is the best. And then if you want the little internet hub, Tina's making available a $100 gift card. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, I know her personally. I spent the day with her. I, you know, I saw how they run their operation. And when I say it's top drawer, it's not like top drawer, it's top notch. Now, I haven't been to their different places in Alaska. And, you know, the thing that I think is important is this, is that it's the most, and, and listen, information, knowledge is power, and we're going to see such interruptions that it's going to be frustrating. And again, as I stated, I would suffer from data withdrawal syndrome, call it whatever you want, but I think it's really critical that, you know, those of you that want to stay in contact, that want to have access to global news services away from the U.S., you know, then you need to get a hold of these um, phones. Let me give out the number a couple times. Don't go slow. I talk too fast. 619-618-8363, 619-618-8363. For those of you that have a hard time hearing, uh, I'm in that category now. You can go to uh, my website, stevequayle.com, Q-U-A-Y-L-E.com, and you can click on the banner um, that's uh, very well pronounced so you can see it. And it's important, very important, that you contact them. You've heard the deals. You've heard everything. So, Eric, in closing, you know, I think we just got a couple minutes. Go ahead and close. Based on yeah. your experience, tell some of the neat stories, even if it's just one, okay? Yeah, you got about 30 seconds, Eric. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, I'll tell you my favorite one. I got five brothers, and I lost one of them to epilepsy when he was a kid. And uh, when I tried to call 911, I was actually dialed up on AOL. And I don't know if you remember, but if you're dialed up, you can't go use the phone. You get the modem tone. So I dedicated my life to helping people communicate. It's really something wow. I enjoy doing. And and the number that you just gave out is my personal number, 619-618-8363. And if you really want to talk to me, you can call me. I'll probably be flying or in a training or meeting with somebody, but I'll call you back if you leave a message. If you want to talk to somebody now, though... <laughs> Yeah, if you want to talk to somebody now, though, and you can't wait, yeah, the, the main line, though, Steve, is, is 619-399-3800. But I, I enjoy what I do, and I'm passionate about it, and I'm, and I'm really happy that you guys had me on tonight. Right. Thanks, give sir. out that number. Hey, Eric, give out that number one more time. Yeah, the, the main, main, the main number? office. Yeah, there's, there's, we have six or seven people ready. I've trained them all. They're ready to answer questions. 619 399 3800 and, and they're just ready to answer your questions. But if you want to contact me, I'd love to hear from people. I'd love to get to know some of them. 619-618-8363 is my personal number, and I look forward to getting to hear some stories and what people are interested in. Thank you, right, Eric. Thank you. Folks, remember, we'll right back. Got Stay it. right where you're at. Ladies and gentlemen, 
listening to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Uh, what, a, what a fantastic uh, opportunity. You know, th- this program is not just about identifying problems, but also providing solutions. And this is a solution-oriented uh, episode. Really, it really is. And I'm, I'm thankful because I've been getting so many emails, and that number of 800 emails, it's, again, that's a, a bit of an overstatement. It was in the seven high 700s about communications so um, and communications in outages. So if you have any questions, obviously, go back and listen to the first hour. Or better yet, contact Eric Tallman and, and such. But but uh, alternatives. And it, uh, Steve from Tampa said it all. Uh, my goodness, the alternative communications uh, today in, in terms of satellite phones, for example, uh, he paid more for his initial cell phone plan back uh well, I guess he didn't really say when, but uh, I would assume it was back in the late 80s, early 90s. So, you know, it's interesting how things evolve. And speaking of evolution of things, uh, well, it, this that's really not an appropriate segue. But I do want to remind people, folks, go to truelegendsoftheseries.com. That's truelegendsoftheseries.com. Uh, Cusco, Peru, the VIP expedition and conference, that's coming up. In June, okay. So uh, I was talking with Steve earlier today. L.A. Marzulli will be joining that expedition. He's going to be as part of the main, one of the main speakers. And uh, there's only five spaces left at most, four perhaps. And folks, if you don't make your reservations or register right now, or here in the very, very near future, in the next week, you're not going to be. You're going to lose your spot. So I would urge everyone interested in joining Steve Quayle, Tim Alberino, L.A. Marzulli in Cusco, Peru for that VIP expedition and conference to, to go to true leg, uh, I'm sorry, truelegendsoftheseries.com and, and do it right away because you don't want to miss out on that opportunity. It's, it's going to be an opportunity of a lifetime. Uh, it, it's, it's fantastic. So, um, and you can take your satellite phone with you there. It'll work there as well. And, Again, tomorrow, just want to make sure everyone is aware, we'll be back up 100% video. Everything has been uh, tested and tried, and it's working fine. So tomorrow night, full video on the Hagman Report. Thanks for your patience, and thanks so much for your prayers and support. Now we have with us Steve Quayle from stevequayle.com and Alex Wilson. You've heard me talking about him many times, Alex Wilson. Uh, for those people who are looking at what's going on in the United States and thinking about alternatives, you know, uh, hey, what about a retirement home or what about a bug out location? If you've thought of that and more, well, Alex Wilson will be addressing those issues and more. Uh, so I'm going to turn this part over to Steve Quayle, and Steve can introduce Alex, and I know that there's some common interest there. Alex, of course, has been on our program before, and he's talked about his company, Precious Timber, the initiatives, the objectives. And let me tell you something, it's really, it's a really a cool thing. So with that, Steve, go ahead, sir, take it, and uh, I'm just going to yield to you. Well, thank you. Now, interestingly enough, Doug, I spoke with Alex, I think, 90 minutes, and, and not an exaggeration. We found we do have a lot in common. But one of the things that blew my mind about Alex and Precious Timber was the fact that here's a guy that not only is basically growing, you know, uh, trees, if you will, planting trees, harvesting trees, co- 
coconuts, which is the hottest thing in the world right now. But here's a guy that goes into a country and builds an infrastructure that benefits the people. That is so unusual. And I thought, now i got to talk to Alex more about this because it's a pretty incredible thing. So he's a CEO, Chief Executive Officer of Precious Timber, and he basically is, uh, and this is why I guess I, I identify so much, he, to start with, he was a one-man band with a very, maybe a two-man band with a very, very uh, amazing partner, but his strategic vision for his company focuses on three fundamentals, pillars, people, planet, and profit. So what was interesting to me, and this is where if you see American expansionism, I love the United States when we do things right. Obviously, I point out when we do things wrong. So I wanted to interview Alex because his his experience in both international and multi-industry uh, expression in the strategic corporate growth management operations, I mean, this is a guy that you can learn a lot from. You know, one of the headlines on Drudge the other day is small business has hope again. Well, I don't know the timing that that hope presents itself, but Alex is involved in basically uh, uh, land acquisition. He's involved in helping people get uh, a financial return over a long period of time, and I'll let him explain that. Uh, you know, I, Alex, nice to have you with me, and let's start out with your business and personal mission, because again, I enjoyed our talk. I hope you did. And to me, it was fascinating and mutually informative. Hey, thanks, uh, certainly, uh, both Doug and uh, and you, Steve. Um, I, too, did enjoy that uh, initial conversation that we had. I remember saying uh, to you that, uh, you know, I was busy that morning, and you said, I am, too, we'll only be on for a minute or two. And, of course, an hour and a half later, we were still at it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, um, you know, I've I've been a very blessed individual, most uh, most definitely. First of all, um, born and raised in the UK, um, took a little backpack and stuck it on my back at seventeen. I wanted to uh, experience uh, uh, another part of the world. I was stuck right in the middle of the UK, where it's nothing but factories. And I used to joke as a as a, as a high school uh, student that uh, you know the town went dark at uh, two o'clock in the afternoon because of the chimneys were pumping out so much smoke. Uh, but uh, anyway, long story short. Nine years, 72 countries, never really did pay for any passage. I always was able to, to talk my way onto somebody's uh, bus or somebody's truck or somebody's plane or somebody's boat. And uh, I end up in the, the U.S. in uh, 1986, and I meet this... Uh, Surfer guy, he's in. He's got his own construction firm. He became my first immediate friend here in the U.S. I've known Ken, who's now my business partner, uh, for uh, you know thirty-five, thirty years, of course now. And um, what a blessing it, it is to meet uh, someone like him. That's probably the most generous person I've ever met. He he serves humanity. He's uh, not only uh, you know every time I I, I can't find him, he's either um, inside of a jail cell helping a guy out. He's inside of a hospital uh, helping a guy out, whether they're on drugs or whether they're on alcohol. He's just that kind of a guy. In 1999, I'm reading a, an investment newsletter that I'd subscribed to, and the publisher, Steve, was talking about Nicaragua. Now, 
Americans, you know, they've ha- got a pretty darn close uh, affiliation to Nicaragua because the U.S. Uh, has sponsored Nicaragua for a long time. U.S. Um, funded uh, Nicaragua's dictatorship from the mid-1800s all the way through to the mid-1900s with the Samosas. But most of us will remember the 1970s, late 70s, and early 80s when Nicaragua was trying to free itself from the shackles of that dictatorship, the Samosas. And, of course, Ronald Reagan came along with the Contras. And so on the television here in the U.S. during the 80s, you'd probably remember the Contra-Sandinista sort of battle. Yes. Well... I didn't know much about that when I got to the States. I had, remember those years, I had a backpack on. I was going either through, you know, I mean, I may have been in China, I may have been in Vietnam, I may have been in New Zealand, wherever I was around the world. I wasn't listening to the news or following the news. I was a kid. I was just wanting to go to the next town and the next place to build up this great uh, a mound of photographs and I used to uh, every day keep a daily diary and so I've got all of these books and things now that I sometimes sort of sit there with my kids and they ask uh, dad what were you doing today 42 years ago kind of thing but uh, Ken had been to Nicaragua Ken had surfed Costa Rica, Panama Nicaragua, Guatemala San Salvador, he's a surfer he works hard and as a young kid he would surf and the story that I read was kind of fascinating to me as an entrepreneur. The story said basically this, that Nicaragua had freed itself from the shackles of the dictator. In 1989, they became a democracy with the help of the U.S. putting together their constitution. And for the first time in 1989, Nicaraguans had a chance to to, to vote. They actually could put a checkmark by their name and say, hey, here's who we want to run our country for the first time. And from that moment until 2000, uh, sorry, until 1999, when I learned about it, so from 89 to 99, that was a 10-year period where nothing really was reported on Nicaragua. However, there was a remarkable transformation that was taking place. I took a trip down there with Ken and found the most peaceful, caring, kind population that had gone from being 100%, almost 100% uneducated population because the Samosa regime was not really allowing people to get an education, all the way to a population in 1999 to 70% Educated, literate. Today it's 97% literate. But the opportunity was reminding me, and here I was in Huntington Beach, California, it was reminding me of how those in the East went West in the early 1700s and early 1800s and how those in the East said, what are you going West for? And so it was like a covered wagon opportunity. And you got down there, guys, and I'm telling you, first thing that hit me was the draw-dropping beauty of that Pacific coastline, like Southern California, but with much more vervent green tropics. And this is what kind of hit home quickly for me. The real estate was fee simple available to any foreign national, any foreign corporation. In other words, whether you were Nicaraguan or American or English or Spanish or Jewish or whatever, you could own the real estate in your name as a foreigner with First American Title Insurance Company opening up a an, a, an office in the, the capital city, Managua. 
This is 1999, 2000, when no one was thinking of going to Nicaragua. I came home and I told my wife about it, and she said, honey, you, you must have lost your mind. <laughs> Typical wife's response. <laughs> well, I had lost my mind. I'd fallen in love. So I went back. Ken joined me. We purchased a piece of property, not for any other reason than we found that ourselves loving the country. Ken wanted to go have a little, you know, put a little tent up somewhere or maybe go surfing on it once in a blue moon. I, I bought it, to be honest with you, because I thought, you know, sometime in the distant future, when, when my kids are my age, maybe that part of the world will be worth something. Well, it wasn't. Too, too short afterwards where the Condé Nast, Traveler magazine, New York Times, LA Times started writing about Nicaragua and its potential to become another tourist destination. And let me fast forward now, 2017. Nicaragua has become an unbelievably transforming uh, uh, democracy. In fact, last year we had 1.4 million tourists. It's no longer a secret. It's absolutely a stunning, stunning, uh, remarkable place to be. And it's still somewhat of a unheard of location. But what's great is that the Nicaraguans are now getting to enjoy some of the things that maybe some of us have been so used to. I know there's all of this talk about being fair across the world, but let me tell you, Nicaragua is a great place to go. It's a fantastic place to escape to. We, we've been very fortunate and blessed because of the business. We ended up uh, starting a business. We started a business to create jobs for Nicaraguans. We've been able to do that successfully. Thousands of jobs have been connected to us over the course of the last 16 years. So it's a wonderful story, and I'm, 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 I'm really honored that you have invited me on to help you guys learn about it, but also share it to your audience. Well, thank you. And again, I think a lot of people have misconceptions of Nicaragua based on the Sandinistas, based on everything, excuse me, that was going on down there. Share with, and let's go directly to coconuts, because, you know, number one, share what you're doing with coconuts, because I find this fascinating. More and more, they're finding that coconuts, the lauric and caprylic acid in coconuts are good for dementia, and now coconuts, there's coconut water, there's coconut flour, coconut sugar. You know, let's talk about coconuts, and we'll work backwards and get to the timber, but I want you to to deal with coconuts because you're the first guy I know that num number one has a coconut plantation and makes it available for others to own their own plantation uh, and you know we're talking uh, small depending on the level or scale of investment but let's talk about uh, coconuts first because you're primarily a timber guy and how did you get in the coconut business because listen I have a wife who's a health and, and she's really smart and informed I would do a lot better if I would listen to her, but call it whatever you want to call it. But everything she owns in her fridge is coconut. Everything we eat is coconut. Seriously, uh, you know, coconut this, coconut that, coconut milk, coconut power, coconut flour. I mean, you name it. So share your coconut story because, again, there there is a lesson in the coconut, not just a lime in the coconut, but a lesson. Will you share that, please? 
Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like your wife and my wife are probably sisters from another mother or something, because that's how it started with me. And I have this yeah. plaque on my, uh, I have this plate in the kitchen, by the way, uh, which my father gave me. It basically says, I'm the boss in my house, and I have my wife's permission to say so. Uh, but uh, but any event, uh, it was my, my wife and my daughter, um, four, five, six, seven years ago, my daughter came home at about 13 years of age saying, Mom, I've got this acne starting, and, and my friend says, put coconut oil on my skin and it'll clear up. And of course, my eyes rolled around 300 times in my head because I'm living on, when I'm in the U.S., I'm on the West Coast, I'm in Southern California, and now south of, uh, of L.A., and it's all kind of wacky and wonderful here, and people put all kinds of stuff on their bodies. So I'm kind of a hum-har, and are you guys crazy? But lo and behold, Mom bought some coconut oil from some store, and then it went on the face, and three weeks later, there was no acne, and so it wasn't a week later before, just like you, there was coconut milk, and there was coconut cream, and there was coconut coffee, and there was coconut, you know, shampoo, and I'm trying to get my cereal in the morning, and I can't, you know, no longer put any milk on it. I have to drink milk with that tastes like coconut. And and uh, I went on into my home office that morning after mumbling and scumbling over, why can't I just get some real milk? My phone rings, and it's uh, someone from the Dominican Republic that had found our timber site online, and he was a, uh, a citrus buyer uh, that uh, exports and imports uh, across the world. And he's asking me if I knew of anyone in the country, in, in the country of Nicaragua, where we're located, that was growing coconuts. I actually didn't know anyone. I mean, my business partner, Ken, has a, 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 a stepfather that has a half a dozen trees on his, uh, his little, uh, you know, abode. But no one's doing it, was doing it commercially. Uh, but the, the, the thing that got me before I hung up the phone with this guy was he said, well, if you ever hear of anything, I'm really, I'm, I'm really at a, at a loss because I need, you know, a lot more, uh, coconuts to, to fill the orders. And I said, well, what kind of orders are you looking at? He said, well, if I could get 20,000 coconuts a day from you, I'd be very, very happy. And I go, what? 20,000 a day? So they, the call didn't end as quickly as I thought it would do. And I sat and listened to him educate me on coconuts. I went straight to the internet. And oh my gosh, you're right. Um, it started out, of course, in my, in my I remember it as a child. Uh, you know, suntan lotion, maybe coconut macaroons uh, at grandma's house. But today, literally thousands upon thousands of different products across uncorrelated industries. And I'll just name some to give you an idea. It's not just the food products that we used to that we're probably familiar with uh, like coconut butter and coconut uh, cream and, and 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 coconut sort of powders and flours but today it's gone all the way to coconut biofuel richard branson for example flew a jumbo jet a 747 from london to Amsterdam on a coconut biofuel. So it's not just him, it's other uh, airlines doing it too. Activated carbon, the most uh, effective activated carbon on the planet for water filtration, other kinds of filtration, and the U.S. happens to be the number one consumer of activated carbon, comes from the shell of a coconut. I'm in Bora Bora several years ago, three, four years ago on vacation at, uh, at the Intercontinental Hotel. They have a, a day out uh, for the kids to do all these different things and dad was getting a little bored and so I took a tour of the hotel. They had a biofuel, a coconut biofuel electrical um, uh, f uh, f uh, generation facility. And so we can go down the list. 
I mean, we can go, we can add on um, things like uh, fossil fuels, charcoal today, even something that's amazingly uh, new and being studied are the real health benefits, not just those that are, you know, that end up in the health food store that sometimes are questionable. I'm talking scientific studies are currently being undertaken on the medium chain triglyceride that's found inside of coconut oil. Most of us have uh, probably seen coconut oil on the shelves of supermarkets right next to the coconut milk maybe or next to the coconut cream um, um, uh, cookies. But the medical industry has found that there's marketable uh, evidence now. It's still under clinical trials. It's not completed yet. But for Alzheimer's patients, dementia... Absolutely. And so this is the thing that kind of got me interested in it, because here I am in the Central American tropics, putting people to work. Our business is based, as you said, on people first, planet second, profit f f third. We're a for-profit company, but I happen to be blessed and go to Nicaragua when no one was going, said yes to purchasing land, ended up backing into the timber business. I was really there to buy some property for myself. I ended up buying some for myself and, you know, it's like everything in life. When you found something secretive, you don't want to tell anybody, but you tell your best friend who tells his best friend who tells his best friend. And before you know it, people are saying, hey, I want to go. So we ended up in the construction world for a while, but then when we backed into agriculture, and that's a complete other story, uh, but, you know, back to the coconut, the coconut has got it's already amazingly popular, but it's amazingly popular primarily to the islanders. The islanders have lived on coconuts for centuries, but to Westerners like us, it's generally, it's right now only Europe and America, but coconut water has gone from being nothing to a industry that rivals orange juice sales. Absolutely, and I got to share something real quick. I've had a sponsor for close to five years, uh, Inner Health, Inner Foods, Steve St. Clair, and they make a thing called Coco Mojo, which is kind of very cool. It's coconut, you know, powder and chocolate, and I love that stuff. And I just want to say one thing about MCT, medium chain triglycerides. I take a spoonful of that, you know, every day, and when you just read about the benefits now. Look, I'm not trying to give anybody health information, neither are you, but I know this. There are case studies of people that have onset dementia, okay, and onset Alzheimer's that have had some remarkable, if you will, turnarounds. So, you know, MCT, you know, I don't I don't use a long name, but I think it's it's fascinating. By the way, you left out one really good product that's uh coconut ice cream. Yum. Yes. Yeah, continue. I just had to throw my two cents in because I'm a coconut guy. Well, anything covered in uh, anything covered in chocolate or coconut, I, I love too. In any but no, it's a, it's it's a really fascinating world. So three years ago, my partner and I, after uh, planting many, 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 many thousands of acres of very tropical, valuable, precious hardwoods, the the, the wood business, the side of the wood business uh, that we're in, is not what you find 
primarily up here in North America, which is two by fours and pl and plywood from softwoods, pine, Douglas fir. We're in the very valuable, very d deep, rich cherries and mahoganies and things like that. But to add, to add, for us to add coconuts, because the, the timber space is very safe. It's very non non cyclical. It's not like the stock market. It's not like uh, real estate. It's not like bonds. You know, a tree grows. Mother Nature knows what she's doing. God created the planet. We don't have to worry about economic cycles or whether the, the president being elected or there's a war going on somewhere over here. If you're invested in timber, for example, like the billionaires are, by the way, Steve, where you live, I'm sure you're looking at a whole bunch of, uh, of, of lumber all around you. Uh, but, uh, so, yeah, I mean, let's just say, you know, Ted Turner owns a lot of land in Montana, and I can go up on my deck and see literally 125,000 acres, not all of it, of course, at once, from the Gallatin River uh, to the Madison River, Madison Valley, those familiar, and, uh, you know, a lot of, and this is important because, you know, you're seeing this in real time, real world, but a lot of billionaires have, have come to Montana, and they basically rent a helicopter from a friend of mine who has service, you know what they're looking for? They're looking for timberland, and, and they're literally flying hours a day. They have my friend, basically, they've done their homework, they know who owns what. They'll land the helicopter, they'll get on the phone, obviously, uh, some actually do use sat phones, obviously there are places in Montana that don't have cell phone coverage, and Alex, it seems like there's a panic on to acquire as much timber as possible. Is that accurate from your perspective? Well, you used the you used the word billionaire. I wrote a, a report that's free to anyone that uh, goes on our website, preciousTimber.com. It's called the Billionaire's Secret. When I first learned about timber, I had no clue that timber was an asset class in addition to being a lumber source. There's actually an asset class. You have the stock market, you have real estate, you've got all these different asset classes. And the Naycreef Timberland Index, N-C-R-E-I-F, the Naycreef Timberland Index in the U.S. has tracked the performance of timber since the early 80s. And it's the billionaires. You, you talked about uh, Ted Turner. Ted Turner is the second largest timber owner and landowner in the U.S. And he made his billions in media. So did John Malone, the largest uh, timber owner. He's from Comcast. And now you've got all of the new ones, all of the new younger ones like Jack Maher and Jeff Bezos. Why is timber a billionaire's secret? Well, it's very simple, Steve. Timber is an asset space that is non-cyclical. Mother Nature is in control of the growth. In other words, if you put a dollar in the ground, as opposed to a dollar into the stock market or a dollar into real estate or whatever it is you're investing in, a dollar into the ground is going to be managed by Mother Nature. Mother Nature Alex, knows what you... Uh, I'm sorry, i got to interrupt you right there. We're up against a hard break at the bottom of the hour. Folks, you're listening to Steve Quayle, stevequayle.com, alexwilsonpreciousTimber.com. Folks, we're going to be right back. Stay right where you're at. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the 
this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Uh, Steve Quayle, stevequayle.com, Alex Wilson from Precious Timber. You've heard you've heard us talking about Precious Timber, and and now we've got the man behind Precious Timber on with Steve Quayle. So many, uh, again, this is a, a show about uh, solutions and about answers and about initiative. How about... Uh, how about the three P's? People, planet, and profit. You know, there, there's so much to talk about, so little time. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna waste any time. I'm gonna kick it right back to Steve. And I just want to thank uh, Mr. Wilson for coming on tonight. And also, Steve, thank you for coming on. I know both of you had extremely busy schedules, but uh, this is good to talk about this and to, to really get in, dig deep into what's taking place with respect to uh, this particular industry. Steve, go ahead, sir. Steve, I, I don't know if we, if I cut you off or. No, no, no. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I was going to tell everyone they can go on my website, the Precious Timber uh, banner, click on it, because Alex is offering uh, basically his Secrets of Wealth Profit Get Free. And also, uh, there's a whole lot of a wealth, a plethora of information there. And he was talking about, we're talking about, I'm in Montana, he's in Southern California, but Nicaragua. But Alex, too, before we you know lose our time, I would like you to share kind of how people, uh, you know, benefit, obviously, from the timberland, the coconuts, and even you sell uh, land for a community that you're building or have built in Nicaragua, quite candidly, because a lot of people have been. Share where you've uh, been, because people ask me about Panama. They ask me about Costa Rica, and I've never been to either one. I just want to make that clear. They ask me about, uh, oh, good night, Belize. Why don't you share your experience, you know, real quickly, and then talk about the availability of property that you saw too because you guys basically have your hat in the ringer and you got in earlier than everybody so you offer some amazing deals by the way I watch uh, international homes or whatever it is on HDTV sometimes and I mean the beaches in Nicaragua if you're used to Hawaii as I am and the Caribbean beaches I'm telling you what Nicaragua Nick, I can't say the word Nicaragua has some amazing stuff so would you just touch on that too because you basically have a three pronged attack on helping people preserve wealth, ensure generational wealth, and the nice thing is, ladies and gentlemen, no matter what happens to the economy in the U.S., it's always nice to have something going on somewhere that has value. So will you share that, sir? Absolutely. Plan B is a good idea. Well, my partner, Ken, moved. He's not coming home. He's he's all done. He's uh, He's been living in, in Nicaragua now on the southern uh, uh, border right there next to Costa Rica, I think... Uh, 2002 is, is when he last came to the U.S. Uh, as a uh, as a resident. Um, he hasn't expatriated, but he's uh, he's happy. He's got a, a family, and uh, of course, we have a, a very large operation where we support a lot of families. Uh, these people have. Uh, let me tell you, I I, I I tell people all the time that uh, it was a blessing for us. We've done a lot of great things down there. You would have done it. Anyone who would have done, would have done it when you see the the kindness and the joy that uh, that these people people bring you, but we've been the ones that uh, have been benefited the most. Our business has exploded. Our friendships have, uh, have been poured over with a lot of love, a lot of uh, a lot of great sort of um, camaraderie. But, uh, you know, we, we, we started the business based upon the fact that uh, we saw the need, uh, just like we helped start the very first uh, public lending library, just like uh, the fact that we uh, had learned not too long ago that... Uh, 
less than half the kids at school have a chair to sit on. We started making school chairs with little desks and donating them to uh, classrooms. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of uh, kids now all across uh, the region have got uh, school chairs, just like we did when uh, it was time to... Uh, to help a little Barrio Street out where they had a lot of black water problems and no sewage, we put that in and fixed roads. So it's the kind of stuff that anyone would do. I'm not uh, blowing my own trumpet, but uh, when when you're when you're asking me to to talk about Nicaragua and the region, I I have traveled. I've gone through uh, all of Central and South America, and I can tell you it's not my uh, not not just my personal experience, but uh, the world is recognizing it now, especially Nicaragua. And first of all, let's talk about the region of Central America, because uh, Nicaragua sits in Central America, not South America. It's very close to the U.S., and it's got a, as I said earlier in the conversation this, this evening, that Nicaragua and the U.S. has had a long-term relationship. Um, and in the 80s, a lot of Nicaraguans uh, came to, 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 to the U.S., to Miami and to, uh, to L.A. Most of those people are going back home now. They're going back home because Nicaragua's booming. Now, our economy has sputtered along for quite some time, but Nicaragua's economy since the 2008 crash has grown at 5.1% GDP growth, not just one year, every single year since 2008. So it is a booming economy where people are doing much, much better. It's still a third world nation, but they're coming a long way. Here's the statistic that really is flabbergasting, and that's the word for it. According to the World Bank and according to the IMF, the safest Latin American country on the planet, I'm talking safety with regards to tourism, business, those kinds of things where you can go and, and, and walk around and have a nice vacation or you want to start a business, it's no longer Costa Rica. It used to be. It's now Nicaragua. Nicaragua's a rule-of-law country. They don't mess around. Their borders are tight. They're really respectful of people. If you if you can benefit the country, they will obviously let you in. They've let billions and billions of dollars of direct foreign investment come into the country because of the strong laws, but also, obviously, because they're a growing nation. And so, unlike parts of Central America where you still have pockets that have drug problems, you have pockets where there's even worse, uh, you know, I mean, crazy things happen. Nicaragua has virtually no crime. So it's a great place to go visit. It's a great place for a vacation. Cruise ships are coming in there now, 65, 70 cruise ships a year. The younger 40 generation, the adventurous, you know, the, the, the thrill seeker wants to go to the top of volcanoes and all kinds of things. They're going. From a business point of view, it's a great place to start a business. From a second home location or a plan B or a bug out location, uh, I've started several developments. I've built many, many homes. I've built uh, subdivisions with my partner. We have a, a project right now uh, at Popoyo, um, a fabulous place um, where you, literally you could you could just plonk yourself down on the most fertile soils that you've ever seen, grow yourself some vegetables, grow yourself uh, 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 whatever it is that you want to be able to enjoy, sit there very close to the beach, maybe a, a quarter of a mile to uh, one of the world's most famous uh, surf beaches, fabulous sands, a very affordable lifestyle, guys. Very, I mean, you could literally live like a, a $10,000 a month income earner in the U.S. in Nicaragua for $1,000 a month. Everything's very affordable. So it's a spectacular place to visit, first of all. 
it's a great place to fall in love with. Something will hit you in your heart, and you. When, I mean, listen. Actually, I I I I was telling someone today on the telephone that I was going to be on the show, and I said to myself, "Boy, I wonder whether I can get the two hosts to to visit Nicaragua one day." Hope you guys will uh, consider coming. Sure. Well, thank you for the invitation. Well, uh, it's just a matter of putting a date on the calendar. You asked me, Steve, to talk about the financial side of things and I will briefly this isn't uh, meant to be an advertisement but it, 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 I think it's probably best for me to tell it like this when I learned about timber for the first time myself and I was in my early 40s then and I was a little dis disenchanted with my CPA and my financial planner because they had me all in what the U.S. and maybe not just the U.S. but most maybe developed countries have when it comes to the investment formula, which is a 60-40 model, 60% in stocks, 40% in other things. And I, was, I don't know how that's worked out for the listeners, but it didn't work out very good for me in, in, uh, in, you know, over those cycles, especially the last two cycles, 2000 and 2008. So, I'm not a financial planner. I'm not a financial expert or anything like that. I'm a farmer. I'm a, a land developer. But I can tell you that when I learned about timber first and I learned about agriculture, and I ended up finding a book by the name, and it's a great book for your listeners to go buy and look at uh, and, and read, The Alternative Answer. It's by Bob Rice, The Alternative Answer. In fact, the subtitle was what caught my attention, and I picked the, uh, the book up and read it cover to cover three times. The subtitle is The Non-Traditional Investments That Drive the World's Best Performing Portfolios. We all work hard for our money. But to, to think about the average 65-year-old American that's worked hard all their life, invested in the stock market or their 401ks or whatever, and have only 65000 maybe $150,000 uh, for their retirement, it's, it's abysmal. But why is it, and we talk about timber a little bit, why is it that the billionaires, after they've become a billionaire and they've made it in other areas, why do they gravitate to timber? Why is it that they put most of their portfolio in timber? Why is it that Harvard and Yale and, and, and institutions and endowments put a lot of money in timber? Well, it's because it's a safe space. It doesn't have gyrating, gut-wrenching volatility. Mother Nature grows your money very slowly, but very predictably. And when you harvest a log, you pr pr produce lumber. And lumber is one of the most, you know, core elements and core commodities since day one. They used, you know, guys would 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 carve out a, a bow and arrow. I mean, it's never going away. They can't bring in enough uh, uh, sub substrates and, and various sort of uh, plastics to 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 mimic what wood can do. But from an from a, a financial aspect, timber's produced an average of fourteen percent return on investment for the past hundred years. I mean, where can you find that? I didn't know about it. I studied it online. I invite you to study it online. I invite your audience to study online. So Ken and I started planting and started reforesting. And as you know, our business is, uh, focuses on people and planet and profit. So we're taking large parcels of land in Nicaragua that used to be forests 100 years ago, 200 years ago, that was clear cut down by Europe and America and other parts of the world under the Somoza regime. We're now creating new forests. 
at the same time we're creating long-term, meaningful, impactful jobs for individuals, not weekend jobs or, or day jobs or day laborers, but jobs that last a lifetime so that men, women, and children can dream about saving, can dream about going on vacation, can have birthday presents or can afford to go to school in Nicaragua it's free to go to school but you can't go to school without shoes or a uniform and so what we do together with our clients our private owner clients and that's what makes our company tick is we work with high net worth individuals people that have the accreditation status in the US uh, the SEC um, controls and, and guides uh, various investment vehicles we sell land with timber on it, with coconuts on it, to people that it fits their pot potential and future long-term, like you said, legacy financial goals. They're trying to protect their money from, we all know there has to be a reset. I think your audience understands there has to be a reset. So where do you absolutely. go? Absolutely. They absolutely get that. Yeah, they go to, you've got to go to gold. You've got to go to metals. And that's called precious tim uh, precious metals. Guess what? I coined my firm Precious Timber because timber is as precious as gold, and gold is as precious as timber. And, and let me ask you this real quick, too. I mean, you guys are selling, let's say somebody wants a lot. You're actually selling plots of land, are you not? I am, and the way we do it is on an individual basis, tailored to that individual, because everyone has a different goal or a different sort of set of things that they're trying to accomplish. Some people are more concerned about their retirement and they need income. That would be someone that would be fit perfectly into coconuts, because a coconut tree produces a nut every year. It's like an apple tree. Other people are concerned about their kids and their grandkids. You've got to get kids through college. College getting more and more expensive. I know when I first became a dad, my CPA said, you've got to buy a 529. I bought a 529 plant. It was an absolute disaster. Thank God I planted some trees in the ground so that my daughter that's now 19 going to college, I can cut some trees down to pay for that education. So that, yes, we do have that. It's, it's an opportunity that we that we hold dear to our heart. We're very, very um, uh, giving when it comes to, you know, having people visit Come see the plantations, come walk it, come shake the hands of the people that you're impacting. You're making a, a, a serious impact. It's called impact investing. There's a phrase that's been coined recently called impact investing. Impact investing quickly simply means you're deliberately making an impact on society, social concerns, environmental concerns, whilst you're also making a profit. Let me let me just go here too. And you know, obviously, you're in the construction business. You build a lot of uh, different uh, buildings, etc. I mean, just per foot basis, what can a person build a home there for? Well, there's some spectacular stuff going on. Um, you can build U.S. style. You can build, uh, and I'm talking the highest end. I mean, you know, you go to the New York, you go to. Uh, San Jose, you go to San Diego, you can see things that are spectacular on the beach that cost 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollars. And they sit there right on the sand or they sit there on a high cliff. I want you to picture in your mind right now tonight, Southern California. You've been, if you've ever been to Southern California and you've 
gone up and down that, uh, that that beautiful coastline, that Pacific Coast Highway. That's what Nicaragua looks like, but way, way, way more tropical. Beautiful bays, beautiful coves, nice little nooks and crannies, fabulous beaches. Of course, the water's much warmer. It's in the 80s. Uh, unbelievable fishing, great snorkeling. And now you've got this fervent green tropical uh, landscape that, that marches up from the ocean. And houses are now are starting to be popping along that coastline. It's like California was 130 years ago. And when I first got there, there was very few places. But today, there's a lot. There's a lot of choice. I mean, there's a five-star resort that... Uh, um, a lot of celebrities have already uh, purchased into people like um, Michael Douglas and Morgan Freeman, and, and that's a spectacular place that's really high-end. But, you know, if you want a little peace and quiet and you want a little place out in the uh, uh, nooks and crannies where you got some privacy, you can find exceptionally well-priced deals. At Papoyo, for example, half-acre lots, just a quarter of a mile from the ocean, are selling anywhere from 60000 on up, and we have we have always been able to buy well, so the lots that we sell are 39500 so they're already priced at a point where when people are buying, they've, 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 you know, in real estate you have to buy right. It's like anything. You make your profit the day you buy, not the day you sell. So whether someone's thinking about looking for a plan B or a bug out location or just wants to get in on the next, you know, I mean, listen, we all saw what happened to Singapore when it changed its mind and it said we're never going back to the way we used to operate. Nicaragua's done that. They're never going back to the way they used to operate. It's still early days. It's not pioneer days. But Nicaragua prices are one-third of Costa Rica and one-half of Panama and one-tenth of the U.S. The upside investment opportunity is stark. I tell people, if you never, ever go, you'll never, ever know. Go down. Yes, I understand the word Nicaragua might be a little alarming to a guy that's over 50, but I'm talking about today's Nicaragua, not Nicaragua in the 70s and the 80s. Germany used to be a place that you wouldn't go to. Japan used to be a place that you wouldn't go to. But you go there today. Get a place Probably not Germany get... anymore. Hey, Alex? Probably well, not no, Germany I, I, anymore. Not, I, I agree. I agree on Germany. Yeah, yeah I, I don't I think, mean, uh, you know, we want to go to little Mecca. Oh, my gosh. It's such a shame. And it's not just Germany. It's, my, it's even my home country of England. It's so sad. I love England. But my, where I was born and raised, you can't go there anymore. Exactly. Uh, you know, what about the canal? Are they going to put the canal through, in your opinion, through Lake Nicaragua? I, 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 my answer to that, Steve, is this. Um, listen, Nicaragua almost got the canal 110 years ago. In fact, it was the U.S. that took over the French project. It was a French project, and they killed 10,000 people because of malaria trying to put that canal through Panama. And when the Americans came in, the Americans came in and said, this is a disastrous location. We're going to move it. We're going to move it to Nicaragua. They engineered and put a whole study, and they have all the plans for it. And Nicaragua almost got the canal. If it wasn't for De Lesseps, the engineer from France that actually was uh, heading the program, uh, getting a little bit ahead of himself, he 
uh, uh, just as the vote was coming in from uh, our uh, House of Parliament, uh, sorry, uh, the uh, House of Representatives here, uh, uh, on the island of Mauritius in the Caribbean, a volcano erupted, killed 20,000 people, and Dilliseps went up to Managua, saw that the postage stamp of Nicaragua in 1903 had a picture of a volcano on it, bought $7 worth of stamps, sent those $7 worth of stamps up to the House of Representatives here, and they voted no on Nicaragua because there was a few volcanoes. So, yes, the new canal is going to go. It is going to go in. There's a lot of stuff in online and in the media, and especially the other side of the media. I'll call it the other side of the media that's always no, 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 no. Yes, we're 100-plus years um, on since the Panama Canal, and there's a lot more people uh, rightfully so concerned about the planet. I'm, I'm very, uh, you know, planet, uh, uh, I embrace it. But it's because, in my opinion, it's only an opinion. You know, I'm a human, you're a human, we all have opinions, and most of the time we think we're right when we're probably wrong. Um, but if this, if the individual that was doing the canal, instead of being an individual Chinese billionaire, if it was Elon Musk or if it was Richard Branson, there wouldn't be so many people saying, no, that can't happen. But this is an independent entrepreneur that happens to be Chinese that met with uh, a Nicaraguan individual that told him the story that I just shared with you about the, the Panamanian Canal. And if it happens, and I think it will, 400,000 new jobs will occur for Nicaragua in a country of 6 million people. Nicaragua is the largest Central American country. And if they can get 400,000 new jobs, you want to see the price of real estate go up. The price of real estate is already booming because Nicaragua sits on the sixth largest freshwater aquifer on the planet, has the most fertile volcanic soils. We have a population that's going from 7 billion to 11 billion in the next 50 years. How are we going to feed them? If you like real estate, most people like traditional real estate. I'm more into farming and agricultural real estate. It's a lot safer. In the long term, it's much more profitable. But we've got to feed people. And you want to get to the place early. This is an opportunity that's like almost a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that most people will miss because they can't get over what happened 30 years ago. So, and, and you have been, excuse me, sorry for my voice, real quick, you have been to Belize, I think when we had our 90-minute oh, yeah. uh, conversation, I mean, you know, I always get people, there are people who listen to this broadcast down there, say, yeah, yeah, I come to Belize. I know people that live there and have fled there. I'm not trying to badmouth anybody doing anything there, but, you know, just your quick overview, Alex, because I, I want people to understand, you've been everywhere, whether in a backpack, and, and you really have, that's why you're, I think you're a fascinating guy. The bottom line is is that just compare it like Costa Rica now everybody discovered Costa Rica pretty much everybody has now discovered Belize and Belize isn't the most lovely place in the world so will you well, just share your real overview real quick yeah absolutely listen I like Belize I like Panama I like Costa Rica I like Nicaragua I like Guatemala I like them all but for me Belize is dirty it's tatty. The people are very nice. Uh, from a business perspective, and this is just purely business, 
it's toasted, it's too expensive, it's overvalued, and it's not worth it. That's my opinion. Why would I go to Belize that, first of all, is in the hurricane belt? Nicaragua's below the hurricane belt, so is Costa Rica. I don't want to get whacked with a hurricane. <laughs> and why would I want to pay four times as much for something that I can have the same experience with less bugs and no hurricanes just a few hundred miles south? So um, I don't get it. I don't get why people buy in Belize. Um, I, I, it, maybe it was a great deal 30 years ago, just like Costa Rica was a great deal 30 years ago. This, this, you know, it's timing. The Costa Rica I love. But everything that Costa Rica used to offer Americans and other expats that they no longer do, Nicaragua's just starting. And same with Panama. Panama, you know, started after Costa Rica. And, and, and Panama's, you know, one of my top two countries in, in, in Central America, too. It's just that Panama's, for me, it's too expensive. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna look from a, from a business perspective and an economics perspective, and I think about my kids, and I think about my legacy, and I think about helping other people. Do I want to pay somebody that's already receiving $8 an hour that has a bad attitude? Do I want to give him a, a job, or do I want to give a guy a job that's just coming out of college, or I can help him go to college and pay him a little less, knowing that he's going to grow, he's going to maybe even become his own entrepreneur. You can teach him the wings, give him the, 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 the wind underneath those wings so that he can become much more successful than just being an employee. That's what I find uh, most appealing about Nicaragua. These people are so darn grateful because they've only been voting since 1989. It's a young population. Almost 80% of the population is 39 years or younger. And so that is amazing, uh, Alex. I apologize. Well, I can't believe we're at the uh, t at the top of the hour already. What a massive <laughs> amount of information! This just flew by. So much information, Steve and Alex Wilson. Steve, go ahead. We got uh, about twenty seconds here, so take us out. Twenty seconds, ladies and gentlemen. I suggest you go to PreciousTimberProfits.com. You can click on the banner. And again, for those of you that have been thinking about relocating or having a backup plan, which both Alex and I talk about plan B it's 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 timing everything in the world is timing and as I've said uh, Doug it's better to be you know in January 11th 2017 hearing this and let's say two or three years from now who knows what everyone's going to do Alex thank you so much for sharing and I got to tell you something you have a wealth of information and what I love is your experience leads the way and your business acumen absolutely helps others to find their way. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you. I'm signing off, Doug. Obviously, you got another hour. I want to thank you for letting Alex and I come on, and I want to thank you for letting, obviously, Eric and I come on. And sure. please, ladies and gentlemen, consider the offers, because not everybody wants to stay, not everybody wants to leave, but everybody wants to know how to make a return on what they're doing. Alex, good night, sir. Good night. Thanks so much. Thank you both, gentlemen. Thank you both. Again, solutions, answers, alternatives, and uh, men of integrity, Steve Quayle and Alex Wilson. Hang right, hang right where you're at. We're going to be right back with Pastor David Langford. Yeah, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this.
this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. HagmanReport.com, that's our website, of course. Hagman and Hagman for information, show information, show access. That's HagmanandHagman.com, show access. HagmanReport.com, check that all the time for news and information updated. Uh, also draw your attention to uh, our YouTube channel. Uh, did a video today about uh, the uh, clock boy. Yeah, you remember that? Well, this this past Monday, uh, the defamation suit launched by the clock boy, well, his family anyway, was dismissed, and that involved the uh, uh, alternative media, or at the time, what could have been considered the alternative media, that in the form of Glenn Beck, but other defendants there. And I just found it very interesting in terms of the timing. So uh, explain that in a in a short video on our video channel, our YouTube channel. And so I urge everyone just to take a, a listen to that and share that, because I do believe the landscape has, has changed, and we're seeing these accusations, of course, of uh, uh, fake news, for example, being associated with the independent media, which is really uh, a tactic that we have to understand and uh, f- fight against that, because the, the truth really must get out. And speaking of truth... Uh, of course, the ultimate truth is is our instruction manual. That's the uh, Holy Bible, and one man that uh, knows his Bible and is certainly our our pastor. And I like to call America's pastor, Pastor David Langford from thevoiceofevangelism.com. dot com. Pastor Langford, thanks so much for joining us. Doug, it's a great joy to be with you tonight. I don't know that I can always live up to your accolades, but uh, we'll certainly do our best to minister the Word of God appropriately to the listeners and the people of God. Well, that's all That's all we can do, right? I mean, that's what we're appointed to. So, yeah. All right. Well, what's on your heart, Pastor? I mean, it's uh, we, we, we didn't speak before the show, uh, but we, we don't need to because a lot of times I think we're on the same page and uh, people have very similar concerns and... But uh, what's on your heart tonight, sir? What is on my heart tonight, Doug, is uh, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 10. There are, and it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. Simply Mm -hmm. meaning, there are a plethora of voices in this world. And every voice that we hear is going to bear a significance in how we perceive things, how we gather information, how we understand things. And, you know, there's so much talk about fake news. And if there's ever been a time to have the spirit of discernment, and, you know, I'm, I'm listening to people today who are purported Christians that are bashing Donald Trump and making such brazen statements, the man is not even a Christian. I've I've come to understand in the last two years the nominal Christian has nearly one, let me say it this way, zero to one percent of biblical knowledge. They know a lot of things, but they don't understand many things. Knowledge can puff a man up, but 
but it doesn't mean that he's correct. As we go through the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation, we see there are going to be seven. There were six. We're looking for the seventh government. God has always worked through governments that were not Christian. Pharaoh, the first government, Egyptian, that we are most aware of, was not a Christian. He was a pagan. He was a heathen. He thought he was a god. And then we went to the Assyrian, and then the Babylonian, and then the the Medo-Persian, and then the Grecian, and then the Rome. And thus John, in 17.8, said, Five are fallen, one is. Those five governments had fallen. The sixth government was Rome. That's why John was, was writing that uh, book of Revelation on the Isle of Patmos. He said one is, meaning six, and one is yet to come. So there's another government yet to come. The next government that comes will not be Christian either. So I don't understand how purported Christians who are supposed to be teaching people correctly can have this attitude of, you know, people are really Christians are bashing Donald Trump more than they did Obama. Um, This man is evident to me that God is using him to wreck the system. Everyone was pushing for globalism, a world without borders, immigration, no vetting, no nothing. And all of a sudden, someone comes and says, we're going to change everything. Now, there's a reason for God doing what he does. It is God's will, it is God's good pleasure to use whoever he wants to use, however he wants to use them. And the the secret thing is, God can use them expressly for his will, his intent, and his purpose. Revelation 17, 17, for God hath put it in their hearts to fulfill his will. That is one of the most scariest verses in the entire Bible. God hath put it in their hearts to do his will. God can make a man do anything if he wants to, because he's God. Jeremiah thirty-two twenty-seven. Behold, I'm the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? There's nothing that God cannot do if he so wills to do it. He can make a man jump off a bridge whether the man wants to jump off the bridge or not. That's the magnitude and the gravity of the power of God. And, and, and when he said, I'm the God of all flesh, he means what he says. You know, uh, there's nothing that he's not the God of. Paul tells us in First uh, Corinthians 15, 39, all flesh is not the same flesh. There's one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, another of birds. So let's look at that. All flesh is not the same. We have the flesh of human beings. We have the flesh of beasts. So let's look at a bear, a leopard, a lion, a cow, an ox. God has worked through a jackass, and he opened the mouth of that donkey, and it spoke to Balaam. So he was the God of that flesh. He took a fish and swallowed Jonah. He took a fish, put a coin in his mouth, paid his and Peter's taxes. He said, I'm the God 
of the flesh of birds. He took a raven, an unclean bird, and he fed the prophet of God, Elijah. A rooster crowed and preached the greatest sermon Peter ever heard in his life because Jesus said, Peter, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. By the way, these are types of voices as well. And they all have a significance. When Peter, when Peter heard the rooster crow, something went off in his head. It was a type of a voice. And so, as we enter deeper into the end times, it is so important that we really are careful to who we listen to. Just because someone tells you, I'm a Christian, that doesn't mean jack to me. There is so much fraud, it begs descriptions. Uh, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Satan has his ministers. They're his. He touches them. He uses them. He illuminates their minds. They don't know that they're under the control of him because they're deceived. And so they're, they're making all types of statements. But God is so sovereign, and, and, I, and I keep going back to this, and we, we, we've talked about this now for months. Isaiah chapter 45, Cyrus, in relationship to Donald Trump. Oh, yeah. He, 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 you know, it, it's evident to me that God is doing something. Go ahead, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, I, I was just uh, affirming that, that we have spoken about this, and, and I do agree with this analogy. And, you know, the only thing I would say, Pastor, and I certainly cannot add anything to what you've, what you've already said, but uh, except to say that um, earlier on, I think many people have a tendency, uh, nominal Christians, as you referenced, have a tendency to put God in a box or, or to, to limit God's... Uh, to limit God, and that's so, uh, well, it's obviously not true, but uh, it, it, people have that tendency. That's the only thing I would add beyond that. Well, he, 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 let's go back to Pharaoh. God gave him dreams to trouble him. God Almighty gave him dreams to trouble him. That is a divine intervention in behalf of a heathen, a pagan man who thought he was a god. And, and somehow... This is why people don't understand God. He uses who he wills, as he wills, when he wills. Isaiah 45 and 5, I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me. God makes it clear, Cyrus, you don't even know who I am. We, we have no relationship whatsoever, but I am going to use you. I, I was marveled today at the conference, the antagonism of the CNN correspondent. Uh, he's so antagonistic toward Donald Trump. There is a greater spiritual war that is taking place in front of us right now, and God has raised up a, a, a battering ram of sorts, and for whatever reason... I'm not sure that any of us know, other than the fact God says, I don't have this where I want it, I don't wear this place where I want it, I don't have this uh, man where I want him. There's talk now of, of Donald Trump moving the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. That's when all hell will break loose. 
you you can mark that as a prophetic milestone. Uh, it's bigger than a milestone. It's it is dropping the gauntlet in the Middle East. And, and I keep telling people, you know, just because uh, he won the election and we think we're going to get some positive results, and we will get some positive results. That's already evident. Even the uh, the guy from China, Alibaba, uh, says he's going to you know generate one million jobs. The the Japanese banker, he's going to dump fifty billion dollars into our economy. There's going to be a lot of positive things, but the point is, as Christians, we are too easily moved, affected, persuaded. Our minds are changed by just a mere voice of someone out here in left field. You know, uh, someone sent me something that someone wrote the other day, and this person claims to be an authority. I won't give them the accreditation. They they claim they are an authority, scripturally, and they made the statement, there'll be no lying during the millennium. And I thought, how stupid this man is to make that statement. You know why he makes that statement, Doug? He doesn't know his Bible. If he knew his Bible, he would know there are going to be sinners in the millennium. Isaiah 65, 20. There shall be no more thence an infant of days, nor an old man that hath not filled his days. For the child shall die a hundred years old, but the sinner being a hundred years old shall be accursed. So we got sinners in the millennium. Yet the man says there'll be no lying. As a matter of fact, in the millennial reign of Christ... He has told us, if you do not bother to come up to Jerusalem and worship me and honor me, he says, I'm going to punish you. Now, he, God's, God is going to mete out retribution in the millennium. In the 14th chapter of the book of Zechariah, it says in verse 16, And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of tabernacles. And it shall be so that whoso will not come up of all the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. And if the family of Egypt go not up and come not, that have no rain, there shall be the plague, for with the Lord will smite the heathen that come not up to keep the feast of tabernacles. This shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all the nations that come not up to keep the feast of tabernacles. This is in the millennial reign. He makes that clear when he says, whatever's left after the battle of Armageddon, all the nations which came against Jerusalem even go up from year to year to worship the Lord of hosts. Well, that, that element of sin will not cease to exist until we enter into the eighth millennium. Because after the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ, according to Revelation chapter 20, we know that the devil's going to be bound in the bottomless pit for a thousand years. At the end of the thousand years, the Bible says God is going to release him for a little season. And it says, And Satan shall go up to the nations to deceive the nations, which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about 
and the beloved city, that's New Jerusalem, fire came down from God out of heaven. Uh, excuse me, it, that's the existing Jerusalem. The New Jerusalem has not come yet. But fire will come down of heaven and devour them. So we see after or at the close of the millennial, God's going to loose the devil. He's going to come up, lead a rebellion. That will not affect you and I because we are the redeemed and we will have glorified bodies and we won't have that sin nature. So we will not be affected by that voice, that voice of deception that will cause many to lead a rebellion against Jehovah at Jerusalem. And so again, here again, He's going to use his voice to go out to deceive the nations. That's Revelation 20, verses 7, 8, 9. And that will tell you that whole scenario there. So, again, because people don't understand the Bible, they make these cynical statements, and they write these articles, or they do their their uh, sewage letters, and they do all of this stuff, and, and people read that, and, and that's what people think, that's the truth. I, I see more fake news in Christianity than I see in the media. Why? Why do I see it? Why do I witness it? Because I know that's not what my Bible says. You see, deception, we talked about this weeks ago. The problem with deception is that you think you're right, but you're absolutely, totally wrong. You see, I have fear of God because when you know the truth, that is what steers you, that's what reproves you, that's what rebukes you, that's what corrects you. Second Timothy three sixteen seventeen. all Scripture, not just the old or not just the new, but all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and instruction in righteousness, that the man of God might be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Well, when you don't know your Bible correctly, and I don't expect everyone to know what I know, and I don't say that arrogantly or boastfully. I just, I spend a lot of time in the Scriptures. But my point is, when somebody says something, or somebody writes something, you need to take that to the Word of God. You know, Steve says all the time, take it to the Word, take it to prayer. You know, that's his renowned uh, uh, perpetual statement. Take it to the Word, take it to the Lord. Why? Because that's the measuring stick, that's the rule, that's the increment that we assess everything that we hear, everything that we read. And and so you have these, uh, for a better lack of terms, jacklegs that even take on the title of pastor, prophet, apostle, you name it, uh, even Christian, and they don't know what they're talking about. So when people read this, and it is a voice, and it bears significance on their hearing, and then it bears significance in their understanding, and then, of course, if it's not correct, they begin to believe a lie. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 24, 5, and many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. The devil will tell you Jesus is the Christ, but he'll also deceive you. In the 16th chapter of the book of Acts, that was the very reason Paul the Apostle and Silas got beaten and put into prison, because they were preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there was a damsel, the Bible said. She was following Paul and Silas, and she was crying out every day, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. 
The Bible said she did this for many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and he came out the same hour, he being masculine, a masculine demon. He came out. And, of course, the reason they put Paul and Silas in prison was because that broke up their little way of selling trinkets and amulets and all of these things and making money. Some people believe it could have been Alexander the coppersmith because he was a coppersmith. And in 2 Timothy 4, Paul said, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil, but God shall reward him according to his works. So here's a voice, and in, in essence, she's telling the truth. These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. But it was a demon speaking, a demonic voice. And Paul, of course, being full of the Holy Ghost, discerned, and he'd had enough of it. Because in his spirit, he knew this was mockery, this was chicanery. He turned and he rebuked that spirit and cast that demon out. And of course, it says, when the master saw that their hope of their gain was gone... They called Paul and Silas, drew them into the marketplace under the rulers, and, and they had them uh, 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 beaten and uh, then put in prison. And that's when we know Paul and Silas sang and prayed at midnight, and uh, God shook the prison doors and the cells and, and set them free and broke the shackles. But the point is, there was another voice. It was a significant voice. Even though the voice was of the devil, and with telling the people, these be men of God, it was a deceptive, demonic voice. And, and, and so I reckon what I'm trying to say tonight is people had better be careful. Isn't it amazing, Doug, the witness of such an explosion of fake news? Exactly. And uh, yes, yes. I mean, quite simply, it, it is. And I'm uh, equally troubled uh, to, to me, the Bible. Uh, is something that we cannot afford to get wrong. I, I mean, in other words, uh, I consider myself a student, certainly not a teacher, a student. Hey, brother, I'm a student. <laughs> well, right, right. You know, so, so, and it's something that I would never, ever, ever, ever want to get wrong. I mean, um, you know, so, so, um, but with your comment about fake news, it's seeping or, or perhaps even originating or maybe even being refined within the, the, the Christian community. And I use that term perhaps improperly, but, um, which amazes me because that's where all the marble, I mean, as Christians, this is where all the marbles are. I mean, this is where, this is the most important thing that we could ever deal with. We can't afford to get this wrong. And forgive my, uh, my, my stumbling and stammering and such, but to me, this is so important for us to really understand. And this is why I, I so appreciate you coming on and saying, look, this is what the Bible says. And, and, you know, you back it up with scripture. And yet some Christians, uh, and I'm amazed at how many people will fight and, and say no. This is this is what it means. There's so much acrimony with, within within the Christian community. Uh, I, I told Steve the other day, I, if, if if I was an atheist, I would be laughing at the Christian community. Yes. I, I, not, not, not to be disparaging, but 
it's just unreal. So no wonder. I mean, that's all. And that's I really my want. point. There are so many voices, so many voices, and none of them is without signification. So the question is, who can we believe, even in the realm and sphere of Christianity? If it's not Bible, you better leave it alone. You better leave it alone. You know, James 3 and 1 says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able to bridle the whole body. Those out there who are trying to be teachers, or masters, Paul calls, or James calls them masters, they receive the greater condemnation with the greater judgment. You know why? Because they're wrong, but they're telling people, no, I have the position, I have the authority, what I'm saying is right. But then the Scripture proves them to be an error. And they receive the greater condemnation. And that's why we better be careful what we allow into our hearing. And I know we're at the hour, but I'll, I'll you know, I'll share something at the, at the uh, after the break about how we allow voices to affect us when we don't even know the person that's being talked about. Exactly. And yet we, 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 we assume an opinion, and we don't even know the person, all because of somebody else made the statement. Right. That's dangerous. It, it, oh, it is. And, yeah, it, it's, and, and, you know, just from my perspective as an investigator, I, I equate that, for example, you know, in testifying, for, for just analogous to testifying in court. Um, you better be correct. Uh, well, that's probably even an, uh, an analogy that, that is lacking anyway. But, but in other words, the Bible is something to me that I certainly don't want to get wrong. The teachings, the uh, so that's why I, I certainly hit my knees and ask for that discernment and prayerful understanding and, and being very cautious about this, which is why I value the, the counsel of Pastor David Langford. Folks, Pastor David Langford, thevoiceofevangelism.com. Stay right where you are. We'll be right back. Episode of the Hagman and Hagman Report, Pastor David Langford, the Voice of That's the Voice of Of course, you can just go right to our program description, right to HagmanReport.com. A link right there to his website. Great books uh, and, and great audio uh, uh, multimedia assets there as well. Um, so thankful that he's uh, that he's on our program tonight talking about some really important information important topics and I'm not going to drag this out at all I'm just uh, in fact I'm going to sit back and continue listening to what I would classify as uh, not only Bible teaching but a sermon information and inspiration together Pastor Langford thanks for holding and uh, go ahead and continue sir thank you Doug 
uh, one of the things I wanted to say was we've all heard others make statements about other people. And because we may have confidence in the person who made the statement, we believe what they said was factual. Then when we have an encounter with that purported person or individual, we come to find out that was not the truth, or that was a misrepresentation of truth, or it was just nothing but a lie. And the old saying is true, there's two sides to every coin. You know, I remember Dr. Howard Brown and uh, AC Accelerated Christian Education when I was in Dallas in a seminar once he made this statement if you will to, to parents if you will not believe everything your children tell me about you I'll not believe everything your children tell me about you in other words the children pay both from the middle they say well Dr. Brown said this to the parents, and then they say to Dr. Brown, the parents said this. He says, so if you don't believe everything they say about me, I won't believe everything they say about you. And so when we hear these things, that's why that's why God was so adamant about bearing false witness. You know, probably three or four years ago, uh, I was doing a program with you, and I made the statement, what kind of a world would our world be if everyone had to tell the truth? People could still fornicate, they could still sodomize, they could still get drunk, you know, but everybody had to tell the truth. What kind of a world would our world be? But we live in a day when truth is so disrespected, so disregarded, you know, and there's more and more half-truths, part-truths, you know, just, just whatever, and, you know, people just seem to embrace it and swallow it, as we used to say, hook, line, and sinker. They just they just take the whole thing, and, and no one even seems to think twice about it. You know, um, Isaiah 59 and 14 says, and judgment is turned away backward, and justice standeth afar off. For truth is fallen in the street. Truth is trampled over today for many reasons, whether it's political correctness, um, I, I don't want to believe that, though it is the truth, I'm not going to believe that, or whatever the case might be. And who is the father of lies? Satan. Uh, Adrian Rogers made a statement, he's dead now, a great Baptist pastor. He said, no man is more like the devil than when he lies. And I never forgot that. It, it just, it was indelible. It just found a lodging place in my memory because I thought about that. That is a profound statement. No man is more like the devil than when he lies. Because what did the devil do in the beginning? He lied. And so... We seem to have a profuse tolerance for lying. And then when somebody is as gravelly and crass and rigid as Donald Trump, like the guy on CNN, he wouldn't even recognize him, and the guy was adamant to get in his face. He just kept ignoring him. And this is lies, fake news, and this is the New World Order and their cronies still trying to bring this thing to fruition. I, I don't doubt for one minute 
there are people creating stuff just to hinder and to hurt. Now, I heard your program with Mike Zulo, Carl Gallup's with the fraudulent birth certificate. The media could care less about that truth. I mean, it, it doesn't mean a hill of beans. Why? Because they are complicit. This is what they want. You see, these people are under a spirit of delusion. They are deceived. Isaiah 64, God said, I'm going to choose your delusions. I'm going to make that choice for you, what I'm going to cause you to believe, what lie I'm going to cause you to embrace. Second Thessalonians 2.11 says, For this cause God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned, who believe not the truth and had pleasure in unrighteousness. God said, I'm going to do this because you refuse. You refuse to be able to hear the truth and disseminate it, look at it, and say, you know what, that's the truth, and I need to abide by it, whether it costs me my name, my job, my integrity, or what. I need to stand for what's right. So God says, for this cause, he will send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, not just a few, but that they all that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but they had pleasure in unrighteousness. In other words, they continue to live, whether it's immorality, deceit, deception, duplicity, lying, heresy, fallacies, whatever the case might be. And God does this because they don't have a love for the truth. You know, reporters are like prostitutes. You know, they'll sell themselves for a story, whether it's true or not. They want that story. They they, they want to be the one to purportedly break the story. I, you know, I got this story. This is my inside source. This is deep throat. You know, this this I, I got this. And they're willing to lie, cheat, malign, embezzle, whatever, be bought, be sold, to do that. Well, a man of integrity says, I, I can't do that. That's not right. And now come to find out John McCain's involved in this. Why? Because these people are part of the New World Order. What people need to understand about Donald Trump, he's never been initiated. He's not a part of the Council of Foreign Relations. As far as I know, he's not a Mason. He's, he's not a part of any of these, what I call, institutions that are evil. And so he's like a battering ram that says, I'm, I'm going this way. Now, this won't last long. This will not last long. It's like Steve has said, God's going to reveal the sins of the leaders of this nation before he judges us. And this may be all this is about. This just may be about a prosecuting attorney going to lay out all the evidence and say, here it is. Now you have a chance to make a choice. You have a chance to make a decision. Do you want to believe the truth? You know, Barabbas was a murderer. They said, give us Barabbas. Jesus Christ was the embodiment of truth, and they said, crucify him. You know, one of the, one of the great stories in the Bible that's often overlooked is the story of Lazarus. In John chapter 11, when Jesus Christ raises him from the dead. And this gave Jesus authenticity. It gave him validity. 
it, it gave him genuineness and that he said when he said to Mary and Martha I am the resurrection and the life it, it, it gave that endorsement but then when you go to the 12th chapter of the book of John the next chapter um, it was they were preparing for the feast of Passover and Lazarus was one of them that sat there at the table where Martha was serving, and Mary comes in, and they believe some, that's Mary Magdala, the, the prostitute, she anoints Jesus' feet. But, but you go on down to about verse 9, and it says that there were much people of the Jews, therefore, knew that he, Jesus, was there. They came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. Now watch this. But the chief priest consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death, because that by reason of him, many of the Jews went away, or they followed Jesus, and believed on Jesus. Now what I find so unfathomable here is, what in the world did Lazarus do? He was not a reporter. He was not an apostle he was a believer I would say maybe a disciple in that context but all that happened to Lazarus was he got raised from the dead but the chief priest consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death what does that mean they were going to murder him these these are the chief priests of the Jews and because now that is a living walking testimony to the validity of truth well we got to kill this guy too because he's a testimony and I believe just like these chief priests were so deceived and so of their father the devil it was in their hearts not only to kill Jesus, they said, we've got to kill Lazarus too, because he, he's evidence that Jesus is who he says he is. And here's a man that did absolutely nothing. I would ask the listening audience tonight, what did Donald Trump do? Other than the fact he threw his name in the hat and said, I'm going to run for the president. What did he do? to deserve all of this castigation and impingement. What did the man do? Nothing. This shows you what Jesus meant when he said the world is going to hate you and they're going to hate you without a cause because they hated me without a cause. You don't have to do anything, Doug, for them to hate you. Jesus said in John 15, 18, if the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. The world hates us and the world hates the truth. And there are Christians out there who hate the truth. They're professing Christians, but they still hate the truth. Because truth is from their perspective, not God or God's word, but it's from their perspective. And let me tell you, every Man's perspective can be flawed to some degree, even mine. And, and so when I'm reading the Word, and I try to immerse myself in the Word, it corrects me about things that I, I'm not seeing correctly. You know, I, I would be so afraid to be some of these 
uh, wannabe keyboard uh, warriors or whatever they call themselves or self-appointed prophets. They're, they're, they're nothing but jacklegs. They, no, they have no anointing. They have no calling. They call themselves. I would be so afraid in the day of judgment. You see, God told me years ago, I'm going to give an account for all the sermons I preached. Everything I've written, everything I've said, that's why I try to put so much Bible in everything that I do because that's what I want the people to hear, not me. Hear what thus saith the Lord. That's what I know without a doubt is correct. I know that is accurate. I know that's coming to pass. I know that is the truth. My truth can be skewed because of my humanity, but God's truth is not skewed. You know... um, uh, Paul, again, in 2 Timothy three sixteen said, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. In other words, it was God-breathed, it was God-inspired. 2 Peter one twenty one says, for the prophecy came in the old time, not by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. They didn't just think these thoughts, the Holy Ghost moved them to write and pen these things. That's why Jude, verse 17, Peter said, But remember the words of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because there are many false apostles. There are many false prophets. And so Jude says, remember the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. He identifies these apostles as the apostles of Jesus Christ. He makes that connection there that, that he wants people to understand. Yeah, this guy says he's a, an apostle. You know, Third John said the Othrophies, he loved to have preeminence among the people. And he said uh, uh, he went about prating against us with malicious words and not uh, with content. And But he was trying to uh, intimidate the believers in the church that the message that the Apostle John was preaching was not the truth, see? And so uh, he said, Diotrephes, he, he loves to have the preeminence among the people, and he doesn't receive us. Isn't it amazing? Here's our dear brother and Apostle John telling the truth, but this man, Diotrephes, wants to have preeminence so he's seeking notoriety he's seeking fame he's seeking fortune he withstood the truth and was telling people now you you can't believe what the apostle john is saying you got to believe what i am saying that's that's the truth and he went to the degree he would not receive john the beloved and john says and he forbiddeth them in the church to receive us. In other words, he's going around saying, don't don't listen to the Apostle John, listen to me. And that's because he was self-appointed. In other words, I have cornered the truth, not the Apostle John, I've got it. And so John says in 3 John 11, Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God. But he that doeth evil hath not seen God. And then he mentions a man called Demetrius. He said, now Demetrius, he hath a good report of all men and of the truth itself. Demetrius had the truth. And he said, not only did he have the truth, we also bear record. 
and ye know that our record is true. So he's talking about a man named Diotrephes, who's a liar, who's a charlatan, who's a pretender. And then he comes back and he talks about Demetrius, who is a good man, has a good report, and is about the truth. So this is something that's been, you know, going on since, since the beginning. You know, Satan didn't waste time after God, through his son Jesus, birthed the New Testament church. He didn't waste any time seeking a venue, an avenue into the church to corrupt it. Second Corinthians 2.17, Paul said, For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God. You know, they, they, they make it say what they want it to say to, to make themselves a purveyor of heresy or false doctrine or whatever the case might be. And there's so much of that today. And, and, and I'm going to say this, and people can get upset. Mary is not the mother of anybody. Someone mentioned to me a few days ago, who replaced Eve? Nobody. Catholicism teaches Mary replaced Eve. That's not true. In the Godhead, there is no need for femininity. So the last Adam replaced the first Adam because he failed. And, and so you're watching more and more people in this ecumenical movement drift away from truth. You know, Ratzinger, when he was the Pope, he said the Catholic Church will never be a daughter, but the Catholic Church will always be the mother church. You can Google that, Ratzinger, Mother Church, it will pop up all over the computer. Well, what is significant about that? Well, Revelation 17, 5, for upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Mother of harlots. I would be so afraid to be going around espousing you know, the Catholic Church is the mother church. Mary replaced Eve. All of this is nonsense. You know, the Magnificat. I know, Doug, you're familiar with that. You know, Mary said, my Lord and my God. She recognized that Jesus was her Savior, her Lord, her Redeemer. You know, she was just blessed. That's why uh, Gabriel said, thou art highly blessed, thou art highly favored. Because the word blessed there in the Greek is eulogia. We use the word eulogize. But in the Greek, it means God, Mary, has brought you into a divine relationship with him, wherein you have absolutely nothing to do with it. You didn't, you didn't do anything on your part. This is all a sovereign act of God to bring you into a relationship with him for the purpose of bringing in the Messiah. Uh, uh, Luke 1 46, and Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. In God my Savior. He is the Savior of Mary. For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. And that's what Gabriel told her. He said, Thou art highly favored. Thou art blessed among women. Why? Because God chose her to bring in the Savior and if my memory serves me right, she had five more children after that. Don't hold me to that. I, I'm not sure about I want to say five. I could be wrong. I could be thinking about Tira, who was Abraham's second wife after Sarah died. But 
the point is, she understood who Jesus was. That she had nothing to do with redeeming mankind. She was just a conduit, a vessel that God used. As I said, God can use a fish to pay somebody's taxes or swallow Jonah up and, you know, get him right and puke him back up on the beach to make him go preach to Nineveh. Uh, he's the God of all flesh. So I, I suppose tonight, Doug, I want people to be very careful in the coming days. They're going to hear a lot of things, and you really need to winnow the things that you're hearing, ferret it out, make sure it's accurate, make sure it's right. Just don't, you know, you, you, there's always that, I think this commercial, because it's on the Internet, it's got to be true. <laughs> <laughs> you, you better... You better know that you know when somebody's telling you something that that is accurate because you're going to be responsible for your own acceptance or rejection of whatever it might be. Romans 14, 11, it is written as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow unto me, every tongue shall confess unto God, so then every one of us shall give account of himself unto God. I will not give an account for Doug Hagman and Doug Hagman will not give an account for David Lankford. I will not give an account for my wife. My wife will not give an account for me. We all stand on our own at the Bema Seat of Christ. And the records will be there. That's why when we read Revelation 20, and the books were open. What are those books? And the book of life. It says the books were open and the book of life. What are those books? They are record books. Every day we make records. And I would hate to look at some people's record books because these record books that they have are full of W-R-E-C-K-S, all sorts of wrecks, because they have intentionally, willfully, maligned, misled, manipulated, coerced to, to get people to believe things from their perspective. You know, with all respect to everyone, I'm not concerned about their perspective. I'm concerned about God's. Amen. That, that's, that's the perspective I am concerned about. How does God see it? You know, uh, we don't have time to get into it, but you know, Jesus gave one man ten talents, he gave another man five talents, he gave another man one talent. And the one man that had the one talent, he went and buried it. And he said to Jesus when he came to get an account of what he did with his talent, he said, I know you are an astute man, and you reap where you sow nothing. That man lied on Jesus. Jesus sowed one talent into him. He lied and said, you sow where you don't reap anything. Or excuse me, you reap where you have sowed nothing. Mm-hmm. But that's not true. He sowed one talent into that man's life. So that quickly, he turned the tables on Jesus and said, you, 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 know, you, you reap and you don't sow nothing. But that's not true. He sowed ten, he sowed five, and he sowed one. The reason he sowed one in the guy was because he knew what he would do with it. He went in bed. He said, at least you could have put it out for usury and got me interest. So the point is, even that man, in his own subtleness, in his own perception, in his own understanding, he made an accusation that was false against the Christ by saying, you reap where you sow nothing. That's not, nobody can reap where you sow nothing. You have to put something in the ground to reap something. And uh, that, when I, when I got that revelation one day, I thought, my God, how easily people make false accusation, even against the Lord. That quickly, that man 
made a false accusation against Christ and accused him of reaping where he bestowed no labor. He sowed nothing. And, and that was not true. But you see, that shows you that man was deceived. That man was lying. See, um, you, you have to sow something if you're going to reap something. And of course, he called him a wicked and slothful servant. Uh, you have to put something in the earth to get something out of it. So people just, you know, they, they need to be very judicious um, when they're listening. Even, you know, I, you know, I even hate to hard listen to any news anymore because, I, I, you know, you just don't know how much of it is false. You know, they're talking about the CIA and all of these alphabet agencies are, you know, misrepresenting it, uh, misappropriating the truth. It, 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 it's a scary, it's a scary time, brother. It's a real scary time. You know, we're going to be addressing that tomorrow, Pastor, exactly what's going on. And you, you had mentioned something with respect to Donald Trump and, and, and the case. Really, we're, we're seeing such chaos, such deception. Like we've, uh, to me, I've never seen in my lifetime the, uh, the deception, but equally, uh, the revelations of the deception taking place. It's very, it's a very interesting time in which we live. But, um, yeah, it's wow. Um, I mean, I look around and I think, you know, what what are we doing and what have we done? Um, but it's uh, we and we have to approach the coming days with absolute sobriety and prayerfulness, in my view, anyway. Um, so we're a hundred percent sure as we walk on this rocky ground. It is rocky ground. It is. Um and that's where the devil wants us. He doesn't want our hearts to be fertile, prepared to receive the, the truth of God's word. But I, I just want to close tonight by simply saying, be careful to the voices that you're listening to. Because remember, Paul said, there are, and it may be so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. They are all going to play an element of significance. So I want people to grasp that and get that in their spirit. What a wonderful message, and I can tell you this, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to be listening to this hour again. Uh, scripture, a lot of scripture, a lot of relevance to what we're seeing today, and, uh, well, with Pastor Langford, thank you. What a, what a, <laughs> what an interesting, uh, prescient message that you've given well, all of us. Doug, thank you for allowing me uh, to be on your program and to share and, and you giving of your time and of your uh, ministry, your gift to let me come on. I appreciate it. I'm very much humbled by it. And uh, we love you guys and appreciate you so much for what you do for the kingdom of God. Back at you, Pastor. Thank you so very much. God bless you. And uh, just have a great night. And you do the same. Our God bless you all. And have a good night. Thank you. Bye bye. Folks, that'll do it for us tonight. Uh, wow, what a great message. And what, what, again, I intend to listen to that hour. I, I just was in. Just really enthralled by that, the scripture message by Pastor Langford. Tomorrow, Brandon House. Uh, again, full, full on uh, video tomorrow as well. Back in the saddle. Speaking of that, saddle for battle. God bless. 